0: Hello, and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. It was a thrilling weekend of racing. NASCAR dominated the action, but ARCA was uh, at Nashville Fairgrounds raising car count concerns. Not ever a good thing. IndyCar opened up the month of May at Indianapolis Murphy with GMR Grand Prix. Exciting races there. Fun question later on in the show related to how that race could be in the future in the eyes of this podcast. We'll see. Uh, Rob is going to share a little bit about the IMSA race and now there's a successful race from this, as far as the crowd, one of the good, uh, a better crowds there in recent years for that track and that race and the series. Uh, and Rob will share a little bit of the news and we'll share our top picks for NASCAR throwback paint schemes. It was NASCAR throwback weekend, uh, weekend one of, of 2023, because it feels like this weekend's also going to be a little bit of a throwback. We'll share our top three picks from the trucks xfinity and cup uh and uh we'll talk a little about the ross Chastain, kyle larson battle and then we'll debate the additions to nascar's 75 greatest drivers list i'm josh roller here in charlotte rob is in indianapolis and he's gonna take away the news right now
1: all right let's go ahead and jump right on into the news because we do have a lot of news to cover today uh i mean that's a decent amount a lot of a lot of controversial i guess news cuz there's there's some stuff we're going to have to get into here real quick cuz let's start off with formula 1 and talk about the formula 1 news this week because and now i want to i want to state just real quick that this is, a lot of what we're talking about here is is rumors none of this has been really confirmed obviously by any team but there's enough sound bites to put for people to do enough now be putting two and two together so european media has been reporting at least the last couple of days now last couple of days and even, even in the last week, that both Nick DeFree- DeVries and Logan Sargent are on the hot seat after just six races. So uh, apparently, Alpha AlphaTauri, Red Bull, Red Bull in general, uh, is apparently, they've I've heard the quote is they've given DeVries a yellow card. And not giving him the red card yet, which, again, is wild to give someone a yellow card of, hey, pick up the pace right now or we're going to drop you five races into the season. Uh, especially that's, I mean, that's not even a quarter of this? the 1974?
0: race done. Come on now.
1: Yeah. Um, and then now Sargent, I guess, uh, Williams is being pressured by uh, by Toto Wolff for Williams to drop Sargent for Mick Schumacher. Okay, when
0: Williams is in a
1: satellite team, or junior team to Mercedes, huh? Yeah, so this is wild. Now, DeVries, I guess, from what I've heard, his biggest potential replacements have been named as Ayumu Uwasa, the F2 driver from the Red Bull camp. Or Liam Lawson, who's currently tearing things up in Super Formula right now. Well, as much as you can after, what, three races? Um, well, so... You're, not, you're forgetting one name there, Rob, who had his seat fitting. Oh, yes, and, of course, the big name that everybody is, is speculating, is Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo is speculated heavily to replace Nick DeFerese at Alpha Um Again, people putting two and two together. Red... You, you said, like you said, Josh mentioned that there's there was a seat fitting uh, for Ricciardo and, and Red Bull, so... Oh boy, the rumor mill, the F one rumor mill. There's, I've heard some crazy, wild F one rumors before, um, especially out of European media. But I've never heard of two drivers potentially being pressured to be replaced five races into the season. I just think that's ridiculous. It is. I mean, and even
0: Red Bull gave Pierre Gasly until the summer break. Yeah, back in 2019, right? He, they gave him. Uh, through the Hungarian Grand Prix, and the, you know they they thought about it and said, "Yeah, we're going to make a change. We're going to promote Alexander Albon to Red Bull. And we're going to demote Gasly back to at the time it was Toro Rosso." Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is too early. L- Logan Sargent has not. I, I think he he had a bad Miami race because of a uh, of an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, first race, uh, first corner collision which can happen to anybody but when your car isn't designed that great and you're not that fast and you can't qualify up front um he's also a straight up rookie Nick DeVries is in a car that
1: I'm it's sure he a thought lot was bigger going to than into. he's ever been in for that matter
0: Yeah I mean he 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 drove a Williams last year at a track that suited Williams well and AlphaTauri just is sadly garbage they're not good um, this year they're not good. They're not good. Um, so I know Yuki's got a couple top 10th place finishes, but I think he's had some fast cars finished behind him that should have probably beat him. So you can't say, well, you know, y- Yuki, Yuki finished 10th and he beat these guys. It's like, well, okay, those other guys beat themselves or yeah. something happened to them. You know, you can't. You gotta be realistic where were we actually at? Uh, UQ was actually fifteenth. Well, Nick DeVries finished seventeenth. All right? Get over it. Yeah, I, right. I think this is this is five races, six races in is way it's too ridiculous. soon. To, way too soon to try to be replacing people and uh, I don't know. Uh and, and they're both really pure rookies. Nick DeVries has what right. one start prior to this year at Monza last year. Um and, and Logan Sargent was is is a, is a you know, his first race was this, the season opener by rain. So, right. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I think it's, I know there's a lot of pressure to perform, but you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. You can't do it.
1: You can't do it. It, That's, that's just, it's just terrible treatment for rookies. It's not, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to replacing a driver in formula one, you should always give them to at least the summer break. I feel like the Mm -hmm. summer break is the right time to make those kinds of decisions because by that point you know how the rest of the season is going to go. And if you can plop a driver in there that is going to potentially get you a couple of more points that would make the difference in the constructor's title, then yeah, you make that move. But if it's not going to make any difference or if they've shown flashes of, hey, they can do this, we just have to give them the right opportunities, the right car, the right setup, the right pit strategy... Like, I, I just think five races is such a small sample size to kick someone out of a ride already. I mean, it's not like these guys are barely qualifying. It's not like they're qualifying below 107%. It's not like they're crashing out every single race. They had some bad luck or they had some bad runs. It happens. It happens to all rookies. Very seldom do you see rookies jump into Formula One in their first cars And immediately have success. It usually takes them. Maybe a team change. Maybe a change of environment. Or maybe a change of engineers. A a change of uh, something. You know. And then it all clicks. You can't just kick them out after five races. It's just. It's not enough as a sample size. So I'm going to move on here. We're going to move on to some IndyCar news. Because. Oh boy. The Argentinian fans are going to be really, really excited about this one. Um. Because Mark Miles told Racer that it is possible that Argentina could host a non championship post race, post season race in 2024 at the Circuit Termas de Rio Horno, Ondo, excuse me. I could speak Spanish, but I I guess I can't read it. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, any- Creed Bratton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so um, let's go. So hey, uh, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see how it goes. I think that obviously, would I like to see IndyCar also try and do this in Mexico? Yes. I mean, it's great that Augustin Canapino is kicking off a real, real big surge of popularity for IndyCar in Argentina, and I understand that they want to, you know, take advantage of that. But uh, again, Mexico, Pato, dude, do you see like? Do you see how many people went to Texas just because of Pato? You could probably yeah. get even more if they don't have to cross the border. Like, I don't. Yeah. Guys, what are we doing here? There's plenty of nice circuits in Mexico that are currently run. I, again, Hermanos Rodriguez is perfectly fine now. I, I understand it's been F1 is sized, but Camp Car ran there before. IndyCar could run there again. It no one would complain. I don't think. Uh, especially modern IndyCars there in the modern F one circuit. I mean, yeah, they'd be slower, but I think the action would be still just as good. That's not the point. Obviously, yes, of course I think IndyCar needs to still be going to Mexico needs to be trying to go to Mexico, but it's good to see them actually capitalize on popularity in Argentina. Um, because clearly there's a lot of people now that because of Agustin Canapino, are watching IndyCar because of him. And that's good. That's good. And if, if IndyCar actually believes that there's a chance to you know, build a solid fan base. Because, I mean, it worked. It worked in Brazil. It worked in Brazil. I mean, when you had all of, you know, Tony Canaan and um, Elio Castroneva's winning races every week, I mean, when they were making stops in Brazil, that was a big deal. That was a very, very big deal. They loved it. The Brazilian fans loved it. I mean, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix was a fun race. I mean, from what I expe- I know, I mean, the only reason they stopped doing it was, I believe, funding. Issues and and I think some issues with 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 the, with the government. I could be wrong on that, but that's from what I remember. And so it wasn't because of a lack of fans. It was because of other factors. So I think if this is, I think it's good to try a postseason exhibition race. It's been a long time since IndyCar has had that. Uh, Surfers Paradise 2008 was the last time that happened. So I would I would love to see, and that was that was under different circumstances, but I would still be very interested to see that, especially because IndyCar just needs a longer season (laughs) in general. IndyCar just needs a longer season. Um, The season is too short. I mean, I know people complain about F1 having too many races, NASCAR having too many races. IndyCar has too little (laughs) (laughs) of all the series that need more races. IndyCar needs more and everyone else needs less. (laughs) Um, Anyway, let's talk about some NASCAR news, because we got some cool NASCAR news to discuss today. Um, <clears throat> uh, first of all, I got this uh, notification on ESPN on Sunday morning, and boy, howdy did it make my day. But Kurt Busch told the Associated Press this weekend that he is, quote, pushing for a re- return to the Cup Series following his concussion last year at Pocono. And in this interview, it all but confirmed that Kurt's gonna again come back as soon as he's ready he's gonna be a full-time driver again or at the very least part-time driver um whatever works uh for his schedule whatever works sponsorship wise i I assume he'd want to be full-time um i but again i'm speculating i don't have any knowledge about that i'm just purely speculating based on what i what i read in that article um but it's really good to see it's really good to see because i think a lot of people were just a lot of fans that i you know I saw and that I talked to, you know, they were kind of emotional to see Kurt Bush have to add his career like this, and it's really nice to see the hope that his career won't end like this. You know, what we all kind of hoped would happen is is getting towards reality, possibly, um or at, at least it's looking more and more like 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 that. Um, of course, you know. Anything could happen. I mean, with all the Carl Edwards rumors this weekend, I mean, Jesus. Have you been following all the Carl Edwards rumors? You know, he's got, he's apparently I got a on tweet. Carl Edwards rumors back in like 2020. Yeah, well, of course. So does every, so, I mean, I understand, but you know, he's, he's apparently got a Twitter now.
0: I mean, well, I, I think, think, I, fake. think I think this, I think it's Carl, fake, but... that it, it sparked. He hadn't been back. And he probably like, man, I do miss this. I miss the people. I wouldn't be surprised to see Carl Edwards maybe do like a race or two here and there. Um in like trucks or Xfinity. I don't see him hopping in the in behind the wheel of a Rick Ware car. No. Um in, in substitution no. of a of a certain son. Um but uh I mean we can might might see him in a in a car or a truck in the Xfinity or truck series, um, doing a one off here or there, just kinda of having fun, no pressure. Um, but I, I I don't expect to see him ever full time again. I, anyone who's saying that I just I he's been gone since 2016, folks. Yeah, yeah. It's not, Kurt Busch is
1: more likely to go full time than Carl Edwards.
0: Yeah, I, well, with that said, I bet you
1: Carl Edwards could
0: still get it done, but I don't oh, yeah. think he, I don't think he. I don't think he's going to do. I he'll have he'll have fun with like a Spire Motorsports truck ride. You know, that's what he'll do.
1: Well, hey, I mean, Greg Biffle just. Showed up in twenty nineteen in a KBM car truck in one Texas and left and just dipped. And well, didn't return. He ran a <laughs> Then he ran Oh, that's right, he did. A-way? I forgot about that. I thought yeah. I forgot I completely yeah. forgot about that. I just remember him winning and then just dipping. Yeah. Um but anyway, so that's that's Kurt Bush. That's the Kurt Bush news, hoping. Hoping for a return for Kurt Busch because, again, I want to see him go out on his own terms. I don't want him to have to have these concussions be the reason his career ended. Um, We got more NASCAR in Chicago news. The Chicago Sun-Times reports that NASCAR has responded to community concerns in Chicago by limiting car noise with mufflers, keeping access to the lakefront trail open... And setting aside green space for public access during the Chicago street course weekend. And uh, this is very interesting, again, because this is as someone I, again, I don't live in Chicago, but I visited Chicago very recently um, to kind of see and drove a little bit on what the course will be and drove around that. Um, this is, this is a good move by NASCAR, because let me tell you, if those areas, especially by the lakefront, were closed off, a lot of people were not going to be happy. There were going to be a lot of unhappy people, because that is a very frequently traveled area for joggers, bike riders, uh, pedestrians in general. There's a lot of people that very much rely on on that area to get to their daily places, and uh, if a NASCAR race is preventing them from doing that, definitely they won't be very happy about that. So, again, I think Josh, you and I, we both still have kind of differing. Well, not differing, but similar views to the Chicago street race. But anything that makes it good is good Good in my book. Anything that makes things better. Uh, we've got Kyle Larson replacing Alex Bowman in the Spire Motorsports number no. 7 at North Wilkesboro in the truck race. Uh, and this will actually be Larson's second truck series start since 2016, which is a long time, a very long time. Uh, but Larson will... Will be in the Spire's number seven truck this weekend at North Wilkesboro, which is still crazy to say. It is still wild to say that I am saying that NASCAR is going to North Wilkesboro next this week, and it's not a lie. It's not an eye racing. It's it's really happening. It's not a fantasy schedule. No, it's not it's a fantasy schedule either. It's really, really happening, and I can guarantee you. When we started this podcast, if you had told us that we were going to talk about a NASCAR race at North Wilkesboro at some point on this podcast, I don't think either of us would have believed you, but it's happening. So, wow. Cool, cool. We'll talk about that more later in the show. We've got a lot going on. Um, Almost finished with the news here, uh, coming in in about 20 minutes. Uh, We'll talk about this more on this later in the show, but NASCAR announced the final additions to the 75 greatest NASCAR drivers list. Uh, Those drivers are Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Matt Kenseth, and Jimmy Johnson. I think a lot of people saw this coming. Um, Harvick, because obviously, I mean, if you listen to the show, you know what Harvick's done. Logano's got two championships. Kenseth's got all those wins in the championship, and Jim Jam is the GOAT. So, um, and, and I defy anyone to argue that with me, because if you can find me someone else who's won five straight championships in their respective discipline and is not considered the GOAT, then you are crazy. You are crazy. I mean, you can say that there was Chad all you want, but I don't care. Jim Jam still had to execute. Jim Jam still had to qualify well. Jim Jam still had to stay out of trouble. Jim Jam still had to uh, finish the job. And there were a lot of times there where Jim Jam came back and made stellar runs. I can, you know, I can just think of multiple times off the top of my head where Jimmy Johnson was not the dominant car of the race, but he still ended up finding a way to win that race. And I, I, have, I don't like that people... We're criticizing NASCAR of calling Jim Jam the GOAT because, it I mean, it is. Again, seven, again, yeah, Richard Petty, 200 wins. Cool. Okay, yeah, I get that. Seven championships. Yes, he's the king. Okay, he is the king, but he is not the greatest in NASCAR. He is the king. Dale Earnhardt is the intimidator. Dale Earnhardt is probably the closest thing we had to a GOAT before Jimmy Johnson. And now Jim Jam came around, and that is my take on that. That is my one-minute little... Rant about that for everybody disparaging NASCAR calling him the GOAT on the social media post because there was a lot of people doing that. And it bugged the crap out of me because I just, I can't believe that. Again, find me another star that won five straight championships in their respective division and is not considered the GOAT. I, I will be surprised. Tom Brady never won five straight Super Bowls, you know. I don't know how many, you know, Serena Williams, Novak Djok- Djokovic, all these people, whatever. The tennis world. How many, have have they ever won five straight Grand Slams? You know, or five straight uh, majors? Has there ever been a golfer who won five straight Masters tournaments? You know what I'm getting at. You know what I'm getting at. All right, let's talk about our favorite paint schemes, featured paint schemes. Josh, you're going to take it back away, take the reins away from me. Uh, and we're going to talk about our top three paint schemes from the, uh, this whole weekend. Truck, Xfinity, Cup, top three paint schemes. And remember, we want you to share yours with us as well. So tweet the show at Robin Roller. Tweet at us, RPeters33, Roller underscore zero one. Um, Josh, go ahead. Uh, take it on from here. Lead us. Tell us, uh, your, your top three.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, this was, uh, some of these were tough. Um, if I had to admit honestly, it, it uh, this was a little bit of a lackluster year for throwback schemes. We still have a, some teams aren't participating at all, uh, and we have some teams that are just doing special schemes for throwback weekend. <laughs> Jr. Um, or teams that are going all out.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you have teams that
0: are going all out, and some teams are like, "Why did you do that one? Why didn't you do this one? This one was perfect." Um, so, but, uh, for trucks for me, number three, Timmy Hills, number 56, Ted Musgraves, Ultra Motorsports Throwback, I mean, that, that was, that was beautiful, uh, that, I always liked the Ultra Motorsports Machines, and that number one Mopar Dodge was just spot on, every single time he hit the track, loved it, uh, number two, Carson Hosovars, number 42, Dale Jarrett, UPS Flame Throwback, with, actual ups sponsorship and association with worldwide express and it that was the was... old
1: old ups logo too it wasn't the new one yeah, the current yeah, one it, it was the, the new old one. throwback logo
0: yeah so i mean it was time period accurate which was fantastic um i mean just again that one was spot on um i don't have it listed on here obviously um, um another person did it rob i think you mentioned him later um he did it as well. UPS Worldwide Express, absolutely home runs this weekend. Uh, but number one, it wasn't the it wasn't the scheme I wanted, but it's 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 a good one too. Lawless Allen's number forty five, Adam Petty spree uh, throwback, which it's also fitting because he did run the thirty four truck in this exact same scheme, just was a different number. Uh, obviously, you know Lawless Allen, and Adam it was 40, a dodge, and it was a dodge, uh, but it, it was still a you know same scheme which is i think ironically very fitting um that he has the right number just the right right style vehicle right paint scheme just wrong number on from a different car anyways spot on great hate to see that thing crash um but uh i don't know that one was uh that one was good that one was my favorite uh was still the, i was exceed, except I, I i respect what uh, alpha prime did this year you know they did the Harvick throwback for the 43 um uh you didn't mention either uh you mentioned one no, of them i did I, I
1: did mention i did you did i make, liked yeah, them but they, yeah,
0: yeah of you, course. You, you mentioned one of them i don't know what the 44 did was the 44 even in this right yeah yes, it was the, the 44
1: world. did run it did run a throwback i crud i had it pulled up and then i closed out the jay ski tab let me check my history i
0: can't, I can't remember what it is now but anyways, I was, I'm like, this would have been, with the with the, the 75 years of NASCAR, I mean, it's kind of hard to go wrong with the throwback paint scheme, 30, 75 years, right? But man, why didn't you do a Petty 01 shootout, John Andretti with the 43, Buckshot Jones with the 44, and an Adam Petty slash Kyle Petty sprint throwback? Man, that would have been fantastic. Um, but I, I, I was, maybe 2024, maybe 2024. Um... Anyways, that was the exp- uh, the truck series
1: there. Uh, Sage the- Karam ran a throwback for Alpha Prime. Oh, yes. I, um, I can picture the car now. I don't know who it was for. Yeah. I am double-checking the J-Ski because I think there is – let's see. Oh, I've been a 38, so I need to get all the way down here. Okay, so – oh, it's a throwback to uh, Richard Childress. Oh, Okay. Well, okay, I couldn't. Wait. I couldn't remember off the top of my head who it was, but yeah, it's a throwback to Richard Childress. Okay, that makes sense. I I picture it there.
0: Um, for me, though, Xfinity Series number three. This one was, this one was a tough one because the first two were pretty easy for me, and I wasn't really sure about the third. Justin Allgaier's number seven, classic Brant look. I'm usually not a fan of non, you know, like like the, the Caterpillar scheme they did a few years ago with Tyler Reddick, or is it maybe Daniel Hemrick? That one was just—it wasn't—it it was throwback. I understand and retro looking. But it was god awful with the making it look old track look. It was weird, but I appreciated what the all guys team did. Um, I appreciated that they didn't do just another Earnhardt scheme throwback with the seven car, which they had kind of come become accustomed to doing here in recent seasons. So I appreciate them not doing that, um, and they doing something off brand a little bit. Uh, brand brand. A little off-brand. Uh, I did not mean to do that. That was a completely unintended. But, uh, yeah, this one was cool. Um, I like it. I, I I think they did a good job uh, with it, so I'll give them a nod. Number two is Jeremy Clements, number 51. Jeff Bodine, uh, Levi Garrett, throwback, which is also kind of cool. They they always cited the five, but what they forget is that he ran the number 15 in the Xfinity series for Hendrick Motorsports, so it was just a number inverse uh, essentially. Uh, so I, I like that too. No one pointed that out uh, to my knowledge this weekend. Uh, Is maybe someone random person did on Twitter. So don't at me like, Hey, I mentioned it. Like, I'm sorry. You didn't have a blue check mark by your name. You didn't, oh, you didn't yeah. come across Um but in uh, the broadcast, as far as I know, did not bring it up at all. So uh, but anyways, that was really fitting to me. And then number one, Sheldon Crease. number two, have Kevin Harvick, 2001 AC Delco throwback. I mean, how do you not? I mean that was beautiful when they uh, when RCR unveiled that um, you didn't mention it, Rob. So I'll mention it. You know, Austin Hill did a throwback to Kevin Harvick as well. Then the twenty one two thousand six Coast Guard car. Um, Harvick thought that was dominated the Bush series. Harvick had a lot of throwback. I, I will say you you don't have it on yours. The ugliest throwback of the week though was the was the debut that didn't happen when Harvick's oh Sunny my Delight car. That was so now, dumb. That was the ugliest thing I've ever seen in the world. Um I'm it's not, not even a fan right of colors. Yeah, I mean the only person who could who got away with running different colors was Kyle Larson doing a Davy Allison throwback on the 42. That was the only thing that, that could get away with that when he ran that uh, sorry to bring them up DC Solar scheme all those years ago at Darlington, but yeah, you, you can't run different colors like that. Anyways, uh, that was that was my Xfinity. Creed knocked it out of the park. RCR knocked it out of the park. For Cup, um, I can't believe I'm mentioning this guy. Dude got a sixth place finish. Harrison Burton, uh, number 21, Jeff Burton. Uh, he ran an X-Side Batteries throwback to the pink, white, and black days of of uh, the X-Side car. Dex Imaging throw uh, with the sponsorship this week. Um, it looked good. It looked good. Um, and I also appreciated Wood Brothers being willing to step outside of the Wood Brothers realm, as well, um, which was good. Which is good on them. Number two might surprise people, but I like Ty Gibbs, number fifty-four, Bobby Labonte in NFL Hall of Fame, Washington Redskins, not Commanders. Redskins throwback um, to to his to basically his grandpa when he was a coach of the team, and that the car that. Uh, Bobby Labonte drove, and now I can't remember what year it was, but he drove in '18 with the same scheme. Um, whatever
1: year Joe Gibbs was
0: elected to the Pro yeah. Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, whatever year that was. So I mean, it was a good scheme. It's a it's you it's a scheme like Rob. you we were, we were doing like a forgotten paint scheme. I think people forget that that paint scheme was run. It's mm-hmm. it's not a very popular Joe Gibbs scheme, and one that pops in people's minds. So, um, I liked it. Good nod. I had to mention it here. And number one, to me, very easy. Um, Daniel Suarez, number 99, Quaker State. Kenny Bernstein, racing throwback. Uh, just spot on. Quaker State totally faked everyone out, by the way. Let me remind you, they faked everybody out. They make the announcement at, at Atlanta. Hey, we're going to run it at, at Richmond, and we're going to run it at somewhere else later in the year. Oh, by the way, we're going to run it at Darlington, too. with It's going to be a throwback scheme. I mean... I don't know if this is like a later edition or if uh, they knew they were going to run it at Darlington and they just didn't want to announce it because like, oh my gosh, they're going to run a Quaker State throwback scheme. I like to think it's where they kept a secret from everyone. So good on them. And uh, again, authentic logo too. I don't remember what, I think they cited a Ricky Rudd scheme actually. so like an 86 one, but it honestly fits 86 through '90. 3 93 cuz 94 I think they paint they changed the scheme up a little bit um but yeah it was spot on authentic logo authentic font it's uh it was a good looking car just the shame he got a pit road speeding penalty that crashed him out eventually so uh a car I would definitely consider buying a diecast of um because it's got the it's the right sponsor and Paint scheme; those are just always more attractive. So, Rob, what are your what are your top three for the for the three divisions?
1: Yeah, it's fun to run through these. I really and always enjoy running through these. So, uh, in, in my trucks, my top three. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Corey Himes at coming up number three. Corey Heims, uh, Timothy Peters, throwback. Uh, this one was spot, again another spot on. I and mean, I have, it was next year. One grief I have with Tricon. Yeah, what's up? They ran a 17
0: throwback on the 11. Yeah, I know. And they ran know. an 11 throwback on the 17. Like, yeah, it. Well. I mean, it, it, was it just to match the color schemes of the sponsors?
1: W, Probably. I mean, just what the heck? Probably. I, I, you know what? Look, man, the 11 was a Red Horse Racing number, so even though it the, the thing wasn't, it was I'm number saying, but 17, they 17,
0: but they reversed them. They reversed. They right. ran the
1: 17 throwback on the 11. The 11 throwback on the 17. Right. But that, that didn't bug me as much as it did everyone else. I just liked seeing a car that looked like Timothy Peters' old truck. It was just yeah. nice to see. It was it was refreshing. Um and then coming in at number two, this is the only one I'm stealing from you. I again, Lawless Allen's Adam Petty throwback was uh, a chef's kiss. I mean, I can't no notes. I I loved it. Anytime we're throwing back to Adam Petty, I'm always I'm always into that. I, I Adam Petty had some of the best paint schemes. Um, and he's a name that, quite honestly, was just, again, gone way too soon. Way, way, way too soon. And I I am just, I love when we remember Adam Petty. I love, through this throwback weekend. I love yeah. that. It genuinely makes me happy. I loved when Bubba Wallace did it, and now I'm loving when um, uh, Wallace Allen even did, even though he wrecked a car or whatever um and then coming in at number one for for trucks i honestly this one i i love this one right when it was announced it was i don't it's gonna sound weird but you know i i usually have my soft spot when it comes to uh, you know throwback paint schemes is typically stuff from the 90s stuff from the 90s or the 2000s you know when i when i watch nascar that's what i that's my soft spot i typically like those a lot more but dude nick sanchez throwing back to mario andretti that was just cool that was just fantastic. I yeah. loved it. I I thought it was so cool because, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, I think a lot of people forget that Mario Andretti had success in NASCAR. He yeah. won Daytona, Daytona 500. He had success in a stock car. And I understand we, you know, focus on, you know, okay, the guy won the Indy 596. He won the uh, F1 title, um... Er, excuse me. He won the 69. nine five hundred. I said ninety six. Sorry, dyslexia got me there. He won the sixty nine five hundred, um, and a couple years later was F one champion. You know, it. The dude is is a master, and it was just so cool to see a NASCAR centric Mario Andretti throwback. I really really liked that. So, and then Fox got Mario Andretti to just like come up in the booth. So that was even cooler. <laughs> that yeah. was honestly really rad um i had never thought in a million years i'd see mario andretti on an nascar broadcast but here we are it happened and it was really cool to see um now i'm gonna go into the xfinity rides that, that i liked uh from this week um coming in at number three is uh jeffrey earnhardt's dale earnhardt wheatie's throwback i mean he nailed he nailed it right down from the look to the car i mean the, everything about this paint scheme was perfect. So so much to the point where and I and I appreciate the sponsors for playing along and allowing yes. the designers to do this because there were a lot of sponsor logos that were turned into other logos that were on the car. So like the Forever yes. Lawn logo was basically just turned into a Wheaties logo, right? And there were other like the, the the one that caught my eye was the Burger King logo on the side, but it didn't say Burger King. It it was another company and and companies have to be really open and really love sponsoring NASCAR to just allow these designers to do that because that is not something that typically companies are cool with. You know, yeah. uh, you know, using their logos and using their brand name in other logos. And so the fact that all of that came together to put that... And again, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Earnhardt, and he's Dale's grandson. So yeah, of course he looks a lot like him. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just like, dude, Jeffy, if I didn't know any better, I th- I would think you were your granddad. You know, he had the, the mustache, the glasses, the hat, everything. And I was like, that that's if, if you know, if, in the right light, if you're not looking right, you'd think it's Dale or a Dale impersonator or something. You wouldn't even realize that that's Jeffrey. You know, you would think it was Dale. So, um, just... Absolutely nailed it! For, right down from the driver to the fire suit to the paint scheme itself, <laughs> absolutely nailed it. Just wish the car had a better finish. <laughs> um, coming in at number two, uh, big props for Monster for finally doing a non-black, matte black paint scheme and throwing back to Ken Block. Um, Dave Moody can you know eat a bag of gummy yeah. worms because I don't care. You you should be able to you should be able to throw back to whoever you want to do you want to. Um, you should be able to throw back or to or reasons not to, listen to the guy. Exactly. Well, I don't want to bad mouth him too much because it'll probably block me on Twitter. And then that'll eliminate a whole bunch of entertaining stuff. Uh, but, um, Definitely create a second account, Rob, <laughs> I have a second account. You'll never know it. Um, just like Carl Edwards allegedly has. Kenny Wallace apparently said that he's seen Carl Edwards on Twitter before. Okay. So he believes Carl Edwards has a burner account somewhere. But anyway, that's irrelevant to the story. Um, I just love this because you're throwing back to Ken Block, okay? He's Ken Block. He was taken from us far too soon. He shouldn't be dead, okay? And it is great to honor him. It is great that Monster honored him. It is great that Riley Herbst honored him. This is not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing to honor a fallen racer. Like, I don't understand why Moody has such an issue with that. This was a cool paint scheme. So, so
0: thirty seconds. What, what, what did he say? What, why did, why did Moody have an issue with this?
1: He basically said that throwback paint schemes should be reserved for net to for NASCAR paint schemes. That you shouldn't be able to throw back to, you know, uh, a rally car or an Indy car or a sports car. Uh, like he didn't like that Joey Logano ran the paint scheme for the AMC Javelin, uh, for the Trans Am, the Mark Donohue Trans Am. He didn't like that for some reason. And I don't understand why he had such beef with, with these pain schemes. Like, there's nothing wrong with honoring racing history. I mean, a, a, I mean, look, let, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of those things influenced NASCAR just as much as NASCAR might have influenced them. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. crossover.
0: Mark yeah, Donahue think, ran right.
1: NASCAR. Like, what? what is the
0: problem? Dave, Dave Moody is a,
1: uh, yeah, he's a problem child. We can honor other motorsports. You know, when Joey Logano did the Kenny Brack throwback to with the shell, that was cool. I liked yeah. that. That was not a, a bad paint scheme. That was one of the best. And it was cool to see an IndyCar paint scheme translate over into NASCAR and do it well. How yeah. is that a bad thing? It yeah. makes me remember Kenny Brack. More people should remember Kenny Brack. That guy would have been a cart championship champion if cart if didn't have as many road courses. I mean, come on! Anyway, um, coming in at number one for my Xfinity Xfinity pick is Josh Berry's Hut Strickland throwback. Anytime you're talking about Hut Strickland, I'm very happy. Uh, A member of the old Alabama gang, um, and plus Circuit City, dude. Circuit City. Anytime I'm reminded of Circuit City, I'm happy. So I, I loved this when it was announced, and I love it still. I loved it on track. It was fantastic. A uh, great, uh, gonna, uh,
0: great uh, Dale Jr. download, by the way, a few weeks ago with Hutt. Uh, right yes.
1: Gotta love Hut. Gotta love Hutt. Gotta love Hutt. Um, now we're going to go into the cup. I'm going to try and run through this as quickly as I can because we've kind of gone a little longer than I wanted to on this, and it's partially my fault. Uh, but coming in at number three, a lot of people might be surprised that I'm going to say this, but I actually loved this because it was cool. Uh, Brennan Poole's number 15 Bud Moore throwback. It I, was good. It was I, – I had no notes. I love it. I love the Bud Moore throwback. I think anytime we're throwing back to Bud Moore, I think we're doing a good thing for the sport. That's a good thing, remembering Bud Moore. You know, how many kids alive today remember the 15 Bud Moore Ford? I don't Not know. Too Not too many, but I do.
0: Bob Pocker seems to know, do a, uh, you kids don't know Bud Moore.
1: Yeah, no kidding, right? So, again, it's another one of those things where it's like, all right, let's go. Let's honor people like this. And I just loved seeing it out there because it it brought back nostalgia for me because I remember watching that Bud Moore car when I was a kid. And, well, it was a simplified version of it in 2000, right? Uh, Run by Ted Musgrave at the time. It was before he took over the 01. That's the car I remember right from 2000. But, so it was kind of close, but it was kind of cool. Coming in at number two... Again, UPS Worldwide Express, y'all nailed it. Y'all nailed it. Russ, the Boss chest aid had one of the coolest throwbacks. Again, getting UPS back on board, getting the I mean, we talked about having the old logo on the truck for Carson Hosevar. I mean, obviously they had the up-to-date logo on this cuz it was like the 2003 or 4 one. No, it had the it had the O1 logo on it. Oh, it did?
0: Did I not look yeah. at it right? It had the O1 logo on it. It was an O one
1: car, yeah. It had the right logo. I cannot believe I didn't even notice that. I picked it as number two, and I didn't even notice it. I feel so dumb, Josh. I ha- I'm actually on J ski right now as we speak because it's bugging me so much that I didn't catch yeah, it's this. A, it's got the. It's got the. It's an O-1 car. The O one logo. Yeah. I, I believe you, and I probably it. I probably didn't even. Okay. Yeah, God, you're right. That's right. You're right. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it even more than I thought I did. Okay. All right. So, yeah, forget whatever I just said. I should probably edit this podcast, but I won't. Um, Coming in at number one, obviously, I think anybody who knows me knew that, knew that I was going to pick this one. Uh, Chase Elliott's number nine, Bill Elliott throwback. But to me, it was a Casey Kane throwback. But I, as Josh and I, we were having this conversation before the show. I like Bill Elliott. I liked Bill Elliott when I was a kid. I did like the number nine Dodge. That was a big. I was a big fan of Bill Elliott, and I was still a big fan of Casey Kane when he took over the ride. Um, and I told Josh, you know, Dodge racers on the circle. Bill Elliott and Casey Kane signed my number nine Dodge hat. So I've got that. Another reason why I love those two guys. So obviously, to me, it was a big deal. Um, but I just I love this one. I and I love how Fox used that number nine. In the Evernham Nine, on in, even in the scoring bug and in on the on-screen graphics, like you—you just, for me to see that Evernham Nine was such a rush of nostalgia because I looked for that car every week for year for decades, right? For at least a decade, a little under a decade, right? Um, and I, gosh, it just made my heart warm. To see a red number nine going around there, uh, with the with the Evernham nine, the Evernham e spikes on the back of the nine, just so warm, such a warm feeling every time I saw that. And honestly, I, and this is an honorable mention for me, but they could say Kyle Larson's throwback was the Tony Stewart, but I'm saying that was a throwback to Casey Kane too, because Casey Kane drove that exact same paint scheme. Hendrick cars yeah. number five with that exact same thing. So again, I'm saying there were two Casey Kane pain schemes throwbacks in the race, even though there weren't officially, but there were to me. <laughs> to me, I watched two two Casey Kane throwbacks, uh, even though they weren't officially supposed to be those. Uh, and in all honesty, I will give the benefit of the doubt to this one because the difference between this is why I know this is a Bill Elliott throwback and not a Casey Kane throwback, and I'm only deceiving myself because nostalgia. I can know this because. Uh, Evernham, they added a black Dodge Ram logo to the side of the car right on the right, right side of the nine in 2004. The red and was they, also a little different, too. The red was a slightly different red, it was darker. So the way, though, so I knew it was a 2003, 2002 paint scheme based on that alone. So obviously, okay, yeah, I know it's Bill Elliott, but in my heart, that's Casey Kane you know, to me in my heart, that was, that was Casey Kane. So I would love to see more actual Casey Kane throwbacks, especially now that he's been named one of NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers. And that's a great way to jump right into our upshift downshift segment, Josh. Uh, you yeah, want to go ahead and take us through that? Because again, you are the leader of the show this week. Yeah, we got some good
0: questions here. we we'll of some fun here, uh, this week with, uh, these upshift, downshift questions. We'll we'll talk about the hard hitting ones later in the show. Got a couple interesting ones too. And uh, you know, upshift you agree, downshift you disagree. For those who are new or newer to the show, and longtime runners know we also will throw it into neutral at times. I don't know if we'll do that today, but we haven't done it in a couple of
1: weeks. I don't. We think haven't done it.
0: it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think the last time someone did it was related to the NASCAR seventy five drivers question a few weeks ago, and that was me. And now we get to discuss it more a little more in depth and I will show you how I shift. But that's that's later on here uh, in the uh, in the segment. So the first question, though, is rather than combine all three ARCA Menard Series divisions into a single one, NASCAR should look to create two super regional divisions to help improve car counts after a 15-car field at Nash- Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway for the ARCA East Race. Do you have to turn shift?
1: You know what, Josh? I got to be honest with you. I think that ARCA East Race was... I mean, it's it's rough. It's ARCA's rough. ARCA East is rough. But, I you know, the ARCA National Series is, is a lot healthier. The ARCA West Series is super healthy. Um, I don't know what it is about the East Series that is struggling to attract teams and sponsors and drivers and what have you and just cars in general. I don't know the answer to that. I don't pay enough attention to ARCA. I mean, I do pay attention to ARCA, but not ARCA East um, to really have a dog in that fight. Um, all I know is, uh, I feel like, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to personally just downshift this because I feel like the car counts the with the car counts going up in the main Arca series and in the West, I think that's, that to me seems like there's hope because there was a time even in the West was struggling to get 15 mm-hmm. cars, yep. you know, and now look at where they are. There was a time where the main series, especially on a non-NASCAR week, like a standalone week at a short track, was struggling to get 15-ish drivers and put on competitive races. But look where it is now. You know, look where the series are now. So I'm kind of downshifting this mainly because I feel like this is one of those things where I either it's going to recover on its own, or NASCAR slash ARCA, they're going to step in and do something to... To hopefully up make make it more appealing to teams to want to to go, because don't get me wrong. I mean, the the Arca East race I watched at Dover was a really good race. But yeah, there were there's some glaring issues with cars grossly off the pace. And they're only, I mean, sure, only like five the top five are are worth anything and are setting the pace. But, you know, hey, the top five are putting on a good show, at least at Dover, not at Nashville. but. They're putting on a good show, and it, it kind of became, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's actual moving chicanes out here. That's a that's a problem. Um, that's something that probably needs to be addressed more so than the car counts is the low quality of the cars that are running out there. You know, is there a reason for that? Because if there's a solid amount of high quality cars running in the East in the main series, then why are they struggling in the east series to get get that same thing you know and and why are these cars what appear to be um, I mean maybe this is just me visualizing but from a visual standpoint those moving chicanes in the east race looked so much slower than like the con Nicopolis or the um whatever the the uh what's his what's his face um you know what i mean the 48 the driver of the 48 Uh, An Arca. Brad Smith, there we go. I knew it was a generic name, I just couldn't remember what it was. You know, those guys, I mean, they're slow, they're driving slow cars, but they're still able to, like, get out of the way, and they're still keeping up a pace so that when, you know, the camera cuts to them, it doesn't look like they're stopped on the track. Whereas in that East Race at Dover, I was watching, I was like, there were times that I almost jumped out of my seat because I thought the cars were stopped on the track because they were going so slow. I mean, they had to be at the le- at the very least at least 50 to 60 miles an hour off the pace, which was just unsafe for everybody involved. So honestly, I'm going to downshift this just because I think that this is something that will get better with time. But Josh, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your, your perspective on this. Um, I, I got downshift too. Uh, I think... I think that the,
0: the the best solution maybe to this is for NASCAR to look uh, to pair. First off, Arca East doesn't need to be going to Dover. They need to go. They that needs to if Dover if they they want to have an Arca race at Dover, they need to have it be the national Arca. Arca the East, big ARCA
1: They've been running the E Series at Dover for. They have been, long but before I think then,
0: it, it's not a. It's not a. It's not what... If you want to have that be a developmental series, I don't think that's our developmental... The East must be a developmental series. I think it needs to be an ARCA big national race at Dover, not an East series race. And the reason I say that even further is you're not going to get a late model race at Dover. Too big, too fast. And I think that's maybe what they need to do with the ARCA East is find companion events for them to say, hey... You know, Cars Tours at South Boston this week. We're going to go hang with them. Um, I think that they need to find where they go when, when who's ever going to Nashville, uh, uh, a late model division, they need to find um, a late model division to go into t- these tracks, I think. that's They need to find a companion event to maybe entice other teams there to maybe invest in a car to help the car count. I don't know. Um, Also, part of me says, well, why don't you just get rid of the East and combine it into the big national series? Because, let's face it, ARCA, ARCA, the big series, is basically East, right? They run a race in Phoenix. It's East. So, why don't you just combine it in there, add a couple, six races to the the big calendar, and then have an ARCA West? I don't know. I, I don't know if doing two super regionals. Two, that might have been an answer solution a couple years ago, but we have seen, some, for some reason, the archive series is healing itself, and I don't know what happened. Uh, so it's just interesting to see. Uh, next one here. F1 executive Liam Parker told the New York Times that Formula One isn't going through Americanization, but rather modernizing access and choices to new and core fans. Do you upshift or downshift that Formula One is undergoing Americanization? They
1: have three races in the U.S. That's Americanization. There's no no other country that hosts three rig three Grand Prix. I There's only one is, other country that hosts two. Exactly. Yeah. It's unheard of, and it I mean it's happened before, um, but it's never happened in such rapid success succession like this. Like this. So like, I feel like within. Since, bef- like, right before COVID, so, like, 2019, we went from, is COTA going to survive, you know, the next decade, to, holy crap, there's now two more F1 races all of a sudden, and suddenly Coda is selling out because it's the only affordable one, right? And now it's like, okay, Coda's probably going to be fine then. But just... Four years ago, four or five years ago, we were worried about COTA's future. Because we weren't sure that the F1 Grand Prix was even that much sustainable in the, in the States anymore. So, you know, there's been such this huge boom of, of Formula One fans in the United States. And this boom is 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 going to dr- It's going to pop. It's going to pop just like every IndyCar's bubble popped. NASCAR's bubble popped. F1's bubble is going to pop too. When it's going to pop, is it going to pop sooner, quicker, or is it going to pop later? I don't know. I don't know when this bubble is going to pop, but it's going to pop. And because there's a bubble, of course they're Americanizing it. Of course they're making it more appealing to Americans. Do you see? I mean, some of the things that are being said now by Stefano Dominicali and key Liberty Media execs would have never come out of the mouth of Bur- of Bernie Ecclestone.
0: No.
1: Never. No. Never. No. I mean that wouldn't have been.
0: Bernie Ecclestone's I
1: mean, not dead and he's turning over in his grave. Exact I mean how is he not dead? Uh, but it's like I don't know I don't know how you can't say how can you look someone in the face in in the eyes with a straight face and say no, American uh, Formula One is not being Americanized. It very clearly is. I mean, the push between for them to like work with ESPN. ES, ESPN, do, do you guys do you, do you guys really grasp the fact that ESPN has put something that is would typically be exclusive to their cable sub- subscribers on their OTT platform? They're not doing that for anything else. I don't even think Monday Night Football is available. Like, the, the standard Monday Night Football broadcast is available on ESPN+. Plus. I still think you have to have an ESPN subscription to watch it. I think you can watch, like, a special different kind of version of Monday Night Football, but you still have you still have to have ESPN. I mean, ESPN is literally giving people a free way— I mean, it's not free, but the cheapest way to consume Formula One, and that would never happen— Anywhere else. I mean, in Great Britain, you have to pay for Sky to get all the stuff that we pay a couple bucks a month for. And Sky's expensive in the UK. People don't like having to pay for it, especially when there's so much more free TV in the UK that's paid for with their TV license. You know, you got to pay the TV license and you got to pay for, for Sky. I mean, UK people are getting gouged and us here in the United States have it so easy. Of course they're Americanizing it. I don't know how you don't upshift this. Josh, I don't know what you have to say about this, and I'm interested in hearing your perspective now.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I down or um I, I upshift that they are American they're at least Americanizing their bank accounts. Uh, they're Americanizing their corporate groups. I mean they're they're cha- they're chasing the American Economy, I think honestly, I mean, again, I have strong feelings about why. I mean, why I'm waning on F1, and I think how they're treating. In they want American money, they don't want Americans involved, which I think is you can't have your cake and eat it too kind of deal. um I don't have a problem with the. Of course, again, we're in America. If you're listening over there in Europe um, or anywhere outside of the United States, but particularly Europe. You know, I understand where some people might have an issue with the driver introductions at Miami. But you know what? George Russell, you can get over it. Literally. IndyCar and NASCAR drivers do that every race. Get introduced. You're just upset that your prissy little easy-go life is being upset a few minutes earlier than expected. I mean, I don't... I don't get that. I think that's good. It's good for the fans. Um if, hey, if I'm paying 3 grand for a ticket, I bloody hell better get a damn good driver introduction. All right? Yeah. So that was a step, but again, if this was if this was in if that was happening in Britain, I would definitely call it americanizing americanizing. But it happened in Miami. An American race, I'm not going to call that Americanizing, but I I do firmly believe that the FIA and Formula One are chasing the American dollar. They're chasing the American corporate elite group. Because what Miami and Las Vegas have told us, and we've said it on the show before, folks, they don't care about the middle class here in, in the United States. They could give five rat, dead rat carcasses about us they don't care otherwise the tickets would be more affordable they are they are gouging and they're taking all the money that they can so in that sense they are americanizing right i don't know who this liam parker guy is but he's blowing smoke up everybody's skirts and kilts okay (laughs) it's just not it's it he, he it's just not the truth it's just not the truth they just don't want... He's saying that so he doesn't upset the European fan base. The European fan base that can't see past the truth. Right? That's... Yeah. That's what's going on. All right, Colton Herta was called for blocking Felix Rosenquist in the final laps of the IndyCar GMR Grand Prix. Do you upshift or downshift that the call was correct?
1: Um, look, so again, I watched this. I watched the replay. I watched the race. I was there in person. I upshifted this. I think it was the right call. I think it was blocking. I mean, it's a situation where, look, and I'm I'm saying this as someone who's watched a lot of races at IMS before. At the end of Holman Boulevard, is you you wouldn't you wouldn't throw that kind of block at the end of the front stretch. So why would you throw that kind of block at the end of Holman Boulevard? You know what I mean? It's yeah, sure. It's a little bit slower. You're not maybe at the. Most top speed, but you're it's it's still the fastest port, one of the fastest portions of the racetrack. You it's can't be making, yeah. You can't be you can't be throwing a block there. I mean, and I Herta. I mean, because I I listened to Herta's uh, radio when because I had my scanner that day. I had my scanner, um, and so I was listening to the radio. And when they told Herta that he had the penalty for blocking, I mean, he didn't even fight it. Like he didn't even disagree. Like he d- he came over the radio and was just kind of like, "All right, I'll give the position back," you know. Like he didn't even disagree with it. So if I'm sitting here thinking, "Well, well, I didn't heard even thought it was fair," then <laughs> I think it was a fair penalty in my opinion. So yeah, I I I upshift that it was it was the right call.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, the onboard camera wasn't tell uh wasn't very telling but when you looked at the camera that was on the wall looking down looking north up uh home boulevard and cars coming at you that one was pretty pretty cut and dry um i've seen definitely seen more egregious blocks but i mean by rule they they got it right indycar got it right they didn't they didn't gray area it or didn't let it go because it was a late race deal um which i applaud them for they've had some bad calls here recently and i think they got that one right so good for indycar good w in their column even though it's it's flying under the radar but i know some people didn't agree with it because they didn't feel like it was as egregious race race
1: control only makes the the news when some they they make the wrong call they made the right call in this situation so yeah of course it's Flying under the radar because nobody disagrees with it. Not even Herda did. Yeah, Herda was. I
0: was just kind of surprised about that. That was probably one of those surprising parts of that. that his Hertha tires were going off. His tires he's, were his, going t- yeah, off he's anyway a gone. He was going to get past. He was trying to prevent the inevitable, or get or get Rosenquist to make a mistake and go off track and overcook the brakes and shoot off and get a five second gap on, on him. He was absolutely. He was trying to make him put him in a mistake. Zone. Yeah. So well, I, mean, I mean once he
1: got called for the blocking, he was just like, I'm just, I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna stop the bleeding here and I'm gonna just try and get a good finish. Yeah. Because it it, it wasn't worth getting risking getting penalized again to try and preserve the finish that he was trying to preserve. Like a top right. five or something.
0: Right. Alright, next one here, Charles Leclerc uh, has admitted that Ferrari's inconsistency has hurt his confidence. Do you upshift or downshift? that Ferrari has
1: set back Leclerc's career by having two plus years of mistakes. You know what? This is a pretty easy upshift. I mean, I think for it, it's not just Leclerc. I mean, I think it's Sainz too. I mean, both Leclerc and Sainz have proven time and time again that they're good drivers, but Ferrari is just too incompetent to give them either good pit strategy, fast cars, or the right tires. Like, <laughs> it's not their fault. And I, I, I think this is my opinion. If if, if Leclerc and Sainz decided they were going to go sports car racing or indie car racing or, hell, any supercars racing or something, I don't care. It's not going to happen, but whatever. Uh, I think they'd immediately be successful. I think they would have far more wins. I think, you know, let's say, I mean, honestly, if they went to a top team at Le Mans, they'd probably win. They'd probably win. You know, it wouldn't, it's, so it's, it's one of those things for me where I totally understand where Leclerc is coming from. I think that would hurt my confidence too. Uh, I think anytime, you know, the team you're on isn't doing well, it does hurt your confidence because then you feel like you're not a part of a successful team. You wonder if it's your fault. You wonder if, you know, it's something you're doing wrong. And look, this is just my opinion as a race fan, as as a armchair strategist, but it's, it's not Leclerc's fault. It is not necess- it's not like Leclerc is going out there and binning the car all the time. Anytime Leclerc bins the car, it's probably something it's probably because the car broke. It's because the car had some kind of failure and Leclerc went off the track. I mean, very seldom is it his 100% his fault. I mean, it is it has been. Don't get me wrong. There has been incidents where okay, it's very clear Leclerc you know was at fault for this, but that it's not as often as maybe other things. So, you know, I absolutely do agree with this. I think if it's frustrating too, because you could very much tell that Leclerc is committed to Ferrari. He wants the same things they do. But, you know, Ferrari, they can put, they, they've gone through lull periods before. You know, they've had dominating seasons and they've had seasons where they suck. But, you know, it, when you're Leclerc, you're, and, your entire career is you're spending so much of your career with Ferrari. People are going to judge your career based on how Ferrari was. And so it's one of those situations where, you know, maybe Leclerc needs to start looking at greener pastures. And honestly, I hate to say that, but I think it might be a wake up call for Ferrari, you know, because again, Leclerc is like their golden boy. He has been, I mean, Ferrari has been very, very clear. They've backed him. He was an academy driver. His brother is an academy driver. Um, they cared very much about Leclerc. And I think if they lost him, it would be a very big blow to Ferrari. Signs, too. Signs, mm-hmm. too, for that matter. Not just Leclerc. I think Signs has every right to feel the same way. Like, I think it's affecting Carlos. Signs, all of his career, here's the thing. He. People forget he was teammates with Max Verstappen at the same time. But because Verstappen is Verstappen and has gone on to do so much more with Red Bull and Sainz took those detours after leaving Red Bull before he got to Ferrari, people look at Max so much better when in reality, when both of those guys were in their first season at Toro Rosso, they were actually pretty evenly matched. I mean, Verstappen was... Typically fast, quicker than signs, but for the most part, if I recall correctly, they were pretty evenly matched most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, it it it's definitely got to be hurting. It's got to be hurting, not just Leclerc's, but but also signs' confidence. So I'm definitely I'm definitely upshifting that.
0: I mean, I can't add much more, but uh, but this, uh, I mean, they kind of spoiled a great opportunity with Vettel. You can trace it all the way back to him, too. I mean, their incompetence... They have not had a world championship since 2008, and that was Constructors, and they haven't won a driver since 07 with Kimmy.
1: I mean, we they literally... I, I, I mean, Alonso was sick and tired of, of it. Alonso yeah. was tired of not winning. And then he went to McLaren and was promised he was going to win. And didn't. Didn't yeah. start winning. Well, now he's got a chance to win. It Probably only good. took him... Almost eight years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, they've just... I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is over there in uh, Maranello, but uh, they, they've got to get stuff straightened out because, yeah, uh, Leclerc's going to... You, you know, I, I don't know where he goes.
1: I really don't know where he goes. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... That's the why I said the dude could go run Le Mans tomorrow. He could go, leave. yeah.
0: He's, he's more likely to leave Formula 1 than go somewhere else because... I mean, I, I, the only way he'd leave Ferrari and go somewhere else in F one was if if Lewis Hamilton left Mercedes. And I don't know, I, I don't know if those rumors or, are always popping up, and I just don't believe them. I, I think, yeah, I think he likes being there. I think he's got a lot of respect for the people there uh, on that team. I don't think he's going to leave. So yeah, his Leclerc's, uh career has certainly been set back, been derailed, however you want to phrase it, because of poor decisions. Um, and that's what you classify it and jumble everything you said in there, poor decisions by Ferrari management on and off the track at and away from the track. So. Um, and I, I it, it, it's you know, it's bad when he, he when a driver admits that to the media, it's gotten to a point where it's he lost his confidence six months ago, but he's now admitting it. You know, that's what it is. So. All right, that was a halfway question here. Second halfway question, because I was four and this is five. Uh, the IndyCar GMR Grand Prix at Indianapolis should be a night race.
1: Do you understand down from? I just, this question is wild, because everybody is going to have, everybody's going to throw in that oh, it'll never happen, and IMS will never add lights, IMS is not adding lights, stop talking about stuff that will never happen. Yeah, okay, whatever, I know. I know the real reality of it. I know the reality of the situation i m s probably would never be would never be able to light the whole place. It would probably be impossible. Could they light the front stretch and the road course though? Maybe. Maybe. maybe not very well, but maybe. um again, temporary lighting. uh this is and, and josh we were we were talking before the show a little bit about previous Indy Carter road racing night races and, and and actually the fun fact about that is we came to the conclusion that the only ones in the last 20 years 20 25 years were street races uh in 2003 they ran Cleveland Grand Prix at Burke Lakefront Airport I think they might have done it in 04 too but I can't remember um they ran that race at night which was crazy they brought in a bunch of like temporary lighting and lit the track and then they did they did a couple of years later, they went when they, the Houston Grand Prix at Reliant Park, that was a night race initially. Like, I think it was the first or the sec- first two races, at least. I think at least, I know at least the first one race was, I can't remember if the second one was. Um, I know that the third one was not, uh, the third one resorted to, to a day race, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not like it's unheard of to run a road course race at night in a single for single seaters. Especially now that F1 is doing it so many times with Bahrain and uh, Jeddah and um, Singapore, um, places like that. But yeah, Abu Dhabi is now a night race too. Uh, It used to not be. I actually miss when they ran Abu Dhabi right before sundown. So that, like, the cars were running right up. The race was running right up against a sundown. So, like, the checkered flag didn't officially fall until. Like, the sun had officially gone down. So it was kind of like the sunset to the season. I liked that. It was really cool. I wish they did that again. They don't do that anymore. But, but no, I honestly, let's say hypothetically. Let's say hypothetically, because Roger Penske has talked about this. You know, having some kind of endurance, endurance event at IMS in the sports cars. At some point, you're going to have to light that road course. And part of the road course happens to be the front stretch. So at some point, you're probably going to have to like the front stretch. Are you going to be able to like turn one, two, three, four, north shoot, south shoot? Probably not. That's probably going to be a lot more money. But you could probably like the road course. you probably like the road course for less. Um, now, the, only, the other question that would have to be presented is how late? Because IMS does have, and, and I, I know this, they have a curfew imposed by the town of Speedway. Because again, there's houses around there, and people want to go to bed at a certain hour, and they don't want to hear race cars. They want to hear race cars. They want to live near Speedway, right? But they don't want to hear race cars at an unreasonable hour. Does that make sense? Um, yep. So there is a is a curf- curfew um, in place. So that could potentially throw a wrench into some things. But in the perfect world, where none of that is the case. Or all of that manages to get worked out. You know what? I think it would be awesome. because, because, and I'll say this, we already we the month of May is so special, but the Grand Prix, despite I think it's it's it's, it's firmly established itself as as a race, as an IndyCar race and as an event on the IndyCar calendar. I think it's established its own identity separate from the IndyCar, Indy 500. But much like I said this about the brickyard for years and years and years, you have to have some kind of special element to it. Like it has to be, you know, for the longest time, you know, the F1 race was the only thing on the road course. So that was, that was the special thing about running the F1 race. at IMS now, every, Every series runs the road course, you know. Even IndyCar runs the road course, so it's not as special anymore. The track, the 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 course, kind of lost that novelty, that special feeling that it had when Formula One came. I think the best way to get that novelty back and 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 really bring people in is would be a night race. I think that would be a great way. Because I said this about the Brickyard when all like several years ago, like 2016, 17. Even 15, I think I was saying, uh, make, run the brickyard a night race. Put in night lights, if possible, and make it a night race so that people say, oh, this is special again. This is special again. This is the only, you know, it would have been, in my idea, would have been the only IMS race at night. So it would have been an, a unique experience, a unique fan experience that you couldn't get any other weekend. I think, you know, if in this hypothetical situation that would be the case, same deal completely unique weekend that you couldn't get anywhere else any other time in indianapolis so josh go ahead and tell me your view on that because that was kind of my long-winded i guess grounded in reality but still going out into the realm of fantasy explanation
0: yeah um you know i'm actually trying to look up here uh how much because you brought it up how much the lighting cost at Daytona when they lit that place up in ninety eight.
1: because yeah, that was it. not cheap. That was a no. huge investment for Daytona. Two and a half miles. Keep mind, I mean, Talladega's not even ever considered that. You know? Yeah.
0: Um I don't know. Was, I, I, don't, I was just trying to find ninety eight dollars. I can't actually find it. Um for me though, I, I like it. I I I think they should. I think it would like you kinda Took the words out of my mouth a little little bit. Um, Shake things up. um, And make it a little bit more unique. I think it's kind of a cool little kickoff. I understand the curfew, but you know what? I guarantee you if Indianapolis first few said, hey, we want to to run a night race here. And I think they could even do it kind of like start it during the day. Sun's
1: about to go down and then end it at night and have it done by 8 o'clock it's kind of what okay. they do with the BC 39 to kind of yeah. beat the curfew. I, I just remember the first year of the BC 39, we had all that rain, so it was delayed forever. Uh, and they ran the B main, the A main, the feature. Excuse me, like right up against the the town of Speedway's curfew. Like they were gonna get fined if that race, like rent, went any longer. I think.
0: Yeah, and but and, but you but you know what? They just gotta get a complaint. They just gotta get a complaint, and then the sheriffs are like. I don't hear anything. I'll go out there and check, but I don't hear anything right now. You gotta have, you gotta have, you gotta work, you know, I gotta work it a little bit there. Um, but, uh, I think it'd be cool. Uh, I understand. The one thing I, 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 don't think you mentioned it. Um, the one thing that would kind of be a drawback is that I know that the, the GMR Grand Prix is very much a family race. It is, the, it is meant for more of the family. So it would be late. The good news is it is a Saturday night already uh event so it's like you're racing sunday night so um you know i think that'd be good i, I think it'd be cool to see i i know people are very traditionalists and they don't want to see i definitely do not want to see the indianapolis 500 ran at night i think that that would be horrible yeah, um, no one but, does. But, it's
1: it's still the only major auto race that we get that starts earlier than 1 o'clock. So let's take it and win. Take the win where we can get them. <laughs> right. So I don't think that's going to happen. Even if they were to
0: light the entire facility, I don't think that would be happening. If they were to run a night race there, it would be NASCAR. Um, but I don't, I, I'm not concerned about that at all. But I, I think it's, look, you got enough money, you can light it up um And you can, and even if you just wanted to light up the front stretch with permanent lights, and then go with temporary lights on the throughout the inner of the uh, the inner course, I think that that's that's fine. I don't think you need to worry about that on the outer course on the oval. So I think I think it's cool. I think it's an idea. And if they want to have a 12-hour race, in a way, they're going to have to have some sort of lighting, anyways. So why the heck not? Uh, if he wants to have a 24-hour race and have some sort of lighting why the heck not so um i could go for it you know uh shake things up and it would be that kind of you more unique ticket on the calendar new way to kick off um the month of may in a little new re- rejuvenated way so yeah roger why don't you listen to listen to us we've, we've shared a lot of great ideas with you in the past all right on to the next question here do you upshift or downshift that NASCAR didn't uphold the Ross Chastain rule when Sage Karam in the Xfinity Series and qualifying and Kyle Larson in the Xfinity Series
1: race both used the wall to help complete a lap? Uh, this one is very unique because I can understand both perspectives of it. Um, I fully understand that they made this rule with the idea that people are, should not – they didn't want people to wall ride. To gain an advantage. Um, And I think Darlington... Martinsville is weird because that is... That was a once... I mean, it would never happen again. I think if anyone ever tried it again, I I don't think it would be successful. Uh, I really don't. I truthfully don't think it would be successful if someone tried to the the Hail Melon again. Uh, Especially to the point where I think if you ever tried the Hail Melon at Darlington, I don't think it would work. I don't think it would be as successful. I don't care what car you're in. I think you're you're asking a lot. But the Darlington stripes, those have never I mean, guys have... there's a difference between wall riding and getting bit by Darlington. In you know you know what I mean? Wall riding is alright, I am just gonna send it. I don't care, you know, I'm gonna send it in the corner, I'm gonna let the car wash up, and I'm just gonna let the wall carry me through the rest of the corner. You know, that's wall riding. That's egregious, right? What we're talking about Larson and Karim doing is essentially you're just riding up in the groove and you get into the wall and it it might not slow you down because it's Darlington. And Darlington's walls typically, depending on the way you hit it, it can slow you down or it could speed you up. It It all depends. It's very dependent on where you put the car, where you place the car, where the contact is made, where you hit the wall, you know, because I mean if you hit the wall in the center of the corner, you're not going to carry the momentum the same momentum you would if you hit the wall in the beginning of the corner or at the end of the corner. You know, it's totally different momentum shifts when you hit those walls. So in my opinion, I didn't I watched both of those incidents and I didn't find anything different about it. I didn't see them as intentionally wall riding at, to get an advantage. I saw it as, hey, I got, a, I got into the wall, I got a Darlington stripe, and I couldn't get it off the wall as quickly as maybe I wanted to. That's how I saw it as. But, Josh, I'm interested in hearing your perspective, because I saw you had some pay- takes on this on Twitter, so I want to I hear how you're, you're shifting on this.
0: I think NASCAR is very lucky they don't have SMT in Xfinity Series. Okay. They're very lucky. I I believe Sage Karam hit the wall. He he missed the corner in entering three. He hit the wall and he kept his foot in the gas, and it ha- and the wall helped him turn, yet keep speed. By de- by the rule, that's illegal in NASCAR's book, and I don't think it was in with Kyle Larson. It wasn't the hit that him and John Harney check. It was him coming off of four. He absolutely gassed it up. And use the wall to help correct his direction of the car. And J- J- John Heroniewiczek just happened to be a very unfortunate victim. And being right there at the wrong time. I think they used the wall to their advantage. And by the rule NASCAR route, After Ross Chastain. That's illegal. I think they're very lucky that these cars don't have SMT data. For people to point it out. And for teams to go say hey look yeah. He definitely did it. They definitely gassed up and hit the wall right here. I think they're very lucky because I think they got away with one. And it's what Rob? What did we talk about? What did I talk about when this rule came out? Like they're going to get their ass bit in Darlington. Now, <laughs> in, in, in my in my opinion, I think they should have got their ass bit in Darlington, but it didn't happen in the Cup Series. It happened in the Xfinity Series twice. So, I mean. Yeah, they didn't uphold. I like, upshift. They did not uphold the rule, and they absolutely can can track, um, go back and track GPS speed and and stuff like that. They can track that. They have tools to figure that out. They just don't have like the live recording of it and whatnot, or maybe they do. That maybe we just don't know about. But I think they, I think Sage Karam, Kyle Larson should not have been the winner of that Xfinity Series race. Should have been handed a, a time penalty, uh, and Sage Karam probably shouldn't have made the race, um, unless he was ma- unless he was doing a on on notice points. I have no idea. Um, so yeah, this was. Uh, I don't know how this is a bigger story. I don't know how I'm the only person who see that. Maybe I'm seeing things, but I talked to people at work today. That's all the exact same thing I did. So I feel. Not, not I, I feel...
1: You feel vindicated. You feel right. like... You feel validated that yeah. other people share your opinion. Yes. I get, so, I totally get that. I and I love that feeling. That's like a drug to some people. Yeah, I just... Uh, tell me about it. So, I, I just think they missed it. I
0: think they missed it. Kyle Larson should still be winless at Darlington and, and I don't know what happened to Sage Cameron I don't
1: know what would happen to him at qualifying, but... I want to say all of the Alpha Prime cars are in on owner points, but I... I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Yeah. So, anyways, that was that. Um,
0: just, I, felt, I also felt validated with the whole they're going to get the butt bit rule thing, too. I'm surprised it's, I, I thought it would happen at Kansas, too, myself. Like, something's going to happen to Kansas where they're going to, someone's going to be, you know, riding the wall, but that really wasn't the case there with this car or any of the cars there uh, a few weeks ago. Alright, next one here. The incident between Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson was simply hard racing. Do you have shift or downshift?
1: <laughs> hard racing, I mean. <laughs> hard racing. That's that's a good one. Um, it, it was tomfoolery. That's what it was. It was tomfoolery to me. It was just two guys going in there, basically didn't with no respect for either... Just no respect for each other. Just being like, alright, this guy's gonna wreck me, so I better be the guy who wrecks him first. I mean, that seemed like the attitude that they had. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Do you think... I mean, that definitely seemed like the attitude both drivers had. They both assumed the other was gonna wreck him at some point, so they are just like, eh, might as well just accelerate the process. <laughs> I don't, I mean, what do you, what do you think? What do you think?
0: I think they both wanted to win, but they, but, but the want for the other one to lose was higher. Yes. They wanted the other one. That was it. They, they, Ross absolutely overdrove that corner because he felt that he was raced harder by Larson, but they're both drivers who are willing to go. Here's what, you know, Ross is getting a lot of news lately and rightfully so. He's aggressive driving, but let's not forget Kyle Larson's exceptionally aggressive too. He's done this exact same thing before with drivers. Um, but uh, I, I think they, they're they both just wanting to win that bad. Larson wants that Darlington win. He's been snuffed time and time again for whatever reason. And he saw an opportunity to win. He felt like he got walled by, Lar- by Chastain. Then he ran Chastain High, and Larson was upset that NASCAR didn't probably penalize Chastain. I don't know it, what NASCAR saw that made that legal, because we never saw anything from Fox either that said, we were just told he
1: accelerated early. Well, show us the proof, Fox. Yeah, show it's us the like proof. not like Fox Ooh. would ever actually show us anything important or meaningful to the broadcast. they got to right. keep telling you how to win Clint's money. Exactly. So I don't know. I I mean I it it
0: was um I don't call it hard racing for for so for that I, I downshift but I it's certainly entertaining and I think it was just two guys just not wanting the other to win and they were willing to risk their own victory to keep the other from winning and I I don't know I I think it, in in it, nothing was more proof to that that Kyle Larson was just as guilty as him pushing. Chastain a quarter of the way down the backstretch with his car, you know, that's not a guy who, man, I just got wrecked, does that's a guy who's holding I understand, they've had some highlighted incidents, I go to Talladega I'm like, I can't, it's Talladega it's a green-white checker. there's a hole, you're going for it, don't tell me you're not going for it, okay everyone, everyone everyone's going for it they're lying, yeah, they're, everyone's going for it so anyone who says they're not, I said, then get out of the car you don't deserve to be in the car Ayrton said, "I said you're not going for a hole. You're not. You're not a racing driver anymore. Get out." Um, Dover, absolutely. Ross Chastain needed to exhibit a little bit more uh, patience on there, but Darlington, they were both racing each other exceptionally hard at a track that is you're on the you're
1: on the f- wire on the fence, literally the entire you're on ride. the limit, the enti- yeah. every lap. That's why I love Darlington. Because even in a, a four hundred mile race, it still feels like an endurance. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, is. They've got the five hundred mile race that is a, an endurance race in and of itself. But even the four hundred mile race still feels just as just as high attrition level has just a high attrition level as the five hundred mile race. I mean, it's absolutely. just a hard racetrack to to do well at. It's tough. I mean, even playing it in a video game. I mean, obviously, a video game doesn't even come anywhere close. But it's it's hard in a video game. Like Darlington is hands down one of the hardest racetracks to get right for me in, in a simulator, right? Unless I I have incredibly high downforce. If I'm driving a low downforce car, it's a it's it's fun, but it's it's a boy, it's hell in a handbasket trying to c- control the car. It's fun, like I said, but it's it's not easy.
0: Yeah, I um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for sure. Um, look, we're going to talk we, we, Darlington. Just again provides great highlights, um, for sure for for future promotions and for NASCAR. And there's just no punch for them to collect this week.
1: I always think about Darlington. Is I've always believed it's because it's hard. It's so hard at the at the track to develop a rhythm because both both ends of the track are different. And your car so, is constantly changing.
0: Yeah. You can't, so like, you can't find a rhythm.
1: In another a, a, any other racetrack, like usually the corners are pretty much the same. Right? So it's so much easier to get into a rhythm of, okay, I need to turn and brake at these times. But at Darlington, it's like you're turning and braking complete the turn radius is different and in, in, in turn one. The amount of brakes you use is different in turn one than it is in turn three. Your turn radius, your brakes, your your entry points, your exit points, all of it's totally different. It's just so hard to get into a rhythm at Darlington, and that's what makes it so much fun to watch.
0: Yep, yep. All right, last question here, and I'm going to do a little bit of reading on the side here as well. Uh, do you upshift or downshift that you are satisfied with the 25 drivers that NASCAR added to the greatest drivers list? They increased it from 50 to 75. Uh, and to refresh everyone's mind, I will read off the 25 that they added here over the last month. Sam Ard, Greg Biffle, Jeff Burton, Kurt Bush, Kyle Bush, Dale Hart Jr., Carl Edwards, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Ron Hornaday Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Casey Kane, Matt Kenseth, Brad Keselowski, Bobby Labonte, Randy LaJoy, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, Sterling Marlin, Ryan Newman, Larry Phillips, Mike Stefanik, Tony Stewart, and Martin Truex Jr. Rob, how do you shift?
1: Well, you know what? I think a lot of people are kind A lot. There's a lot of debate, especially amongst, like, does Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson deserve it, since they're still running? And, you know, or it's is it too soon? There's a lot of people who are like, oh, it's too soon for Chase Elliott to be it, You know? Or there's obviously and this is my bias showing and i'm trying to just try and stay as unbiased as possible but you know there's people that doubt casey Kane. you know what is casey king mean, you know why why is he in there oh oh you know just won a bunch of crown jewel races you know he won two coca-cola 600s not that anybody cares um and a brickyard not that anybody cares um but i digress um Oh, and became the only driver to ever win the All-Star Race after getting in on the fan vote. So, find me another driver who's done that. Oh wait, you can't. Anyway, um, I personally, and this is, again, this is my opinion, I looked at this list, and I looked at, you know, the history of NASCAR, I looked at all of the drivers that made an impact on me in some way or made an impact on the sport in some way. You know, uh, people, I really can't think of anyone else, uh, anyone that I would, I would replace. Um, I think all of them in, in their respective eras were worthy of, of this honor. Um, I think a lot of the drivers that people are looking at, especially the drivers that were from the 2000s, you know, I think a lot of people are look at that and say, oh, but they didn't, you know, they didn't win many championships or they didn't win many Daytona 500s. And I'm like, OK, but think about who was winning all the championships and all the Daytona 500s at this time. It, it was Daytona 5 the, the 500s were dominated by Hendrick cars or DEI cars for the latter part of the two thousands. Like I and then it kind of shifted to the Fords for a little bit. Um, you know, and then it got into its current era where it's just random winners. You know. Logano won fifteen, you had this the the, the photo finished sixteen, you know, not saying that those were like random winners, but there was no like dominant car, right? like there was back then. You know, when you went rolled into Day- Daytona back then, you knew, okay, you got to beat either 24, 48, 5, the 15, the 8, um and maybe some Dodge that's ridiculously fast that month, that week. You know, that was that was it. You know, and 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 I think to myself, you know, okay, all of these drivers like Ryan Newman, for example. Okay, didn't win a championship, but the dude has the, the did you guys the people, these people ever see the pole runs this guy went on? I mean, come, come on. I mean, the the entertaining pole runs, Ryan Newman did. I mean, Newman came right onto the the scene as an engineering student from Purdue and immediately was putting the car on the front row or qualifying up front and running well before, you know, some kind of issue happened. And then as soon as he went full time, People are like, damn, this guy's just good, <laughs> you know? Um, Dale Jr., we talked about Dale Jr. earlier, you know? I, I, people are saying, ah, oh, Dale Jr. shouldn't be on there. That's not that's BS. Dale Jr. dominated Talladega for, for years. There was, there was a period of time in the 2000s where you went to Talladega, and you just hoped that you finished third behind Jr. and Waltrip. You just hoped. You were just hoping that you could finish third. You knew who was going to win that race, and the battle was for third. Um, Junior also, let's not forget how Junior came into the sport. The, The dude had won a track championship at Hickory. That was his only, like, credential. And then immediately wins two Bush championships, beating out another top driver in Randy LaJoy. Randy LeJoy is named one of the top drivers for his Bush uh, Bush prowess, and and you're going to sit here and say Junior, the rookie who came in and gave him a run for his money, is not worthy of it? Like, that seems ridiculous to me. Um, You know, uh, some people wondering, oh, what, what has Larry Phillips done? Oh, my gosh, you just don't know anything about Larry Phillips, then. You just don't know enough. You need to go look into that. You know, so there's a lot of arguments I see, and I think the only arguments I think I can only, that I can honestly hear from people on this list is that, yeah, maybe it was too early for Chase and Kyle Larson to get in. But they're popular. Right now, at the height of NASCAR, at the height of current NASCAR, in the 75, I mean, they are the hot tickets, Okay. They're the hot tickets outside of Logano. They're the most two most recent champions, and Logano got in there for other things, not just championships. I, I would put Daytona 500. I would put his prowess in the in the Xfinity series. I would put his domination in Cup races, winning crown jewels. You know, I, I'm not the kind of person who's going to sit here and say any any of these drivers are undeserving. Um, and again. Because when's the next time NASCAR is going to celebrate something like this? In another 25 years. In another 25 years. It seems like... You know, because just think about it. If When the 50th, 50th greatest drivers came out, imagine if they had just, you know, left Jeff Gordon off. That Jeff Gordon would have to have gone on to the 75. Because people are say, oh, well, Jeff Gordon, he's only been racing like five years. It's too early. You know? He's only won couple championships you know it's not fair It, it then what would you do you know what they're capable of doing you know what they do for the sport chase elliott is popular okay kyle larson is diverse both of them are champions both of them win a lot why not why not so that is my take i have again no real notes I think I don't think I would have done better. Josh, I know you were campaigning for Jack Sprague, and I do agree with you that I think Jack Sprague should have been on there, but unfortunately it's they've only had twenty-five drivers, and in twenty-five years, there was a lot of drivers that they needed to honor. Um But I think Jack Sprague in his own right will get that recognition. I think he should, with if at the very least in the Hall of Fame. Um, That is my opinion, Um, and I don't think that it should be a knock on him. I think it should just show the talent level and the star power that NASCAR had in the last 25 years. So, Josh, I want you to go ahead. I know you have a lot of feelings about this, and I want to hear all of them, so go ahead and tell me. Look, I'm not going to pick on this guy.
0: You know, look, the the list, I think in a way, yeah, I think all these are— are solidly. I understand again, you talk about the arguments of Chase and Kyle, but I think you could throw Logano in there as well. Logano definitely has more Logano is a two time
1: champion. He's a Daytona <laughs> 500 champion. He's yeah, he's um, won like almost 30 races at this point, if not more. Like, how can you not put him in there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, Chase Elliott is a two time NASCAR champion. He's got a Bush, he's got an Xfinity in his rookie season. He's got a cup championship. Kyle Larson has a cup championship. Um, I, those dominated guys are the twenty I'm going to, I'm going to, I think they made a mistake. Look, I, I, I am campaigning for, for Jack Sprague. I think the truck series got shafted hard. They got, they got Ron Hornaday Jr. Ron Hornaday Jr. absolutely deserves being there. Um, he, he's four time champion. Jack Sprague was the first three time champion. He won three championships in seven seasons in the truck series. And, um, you know, the first seven seasons in the truck series. He ran a few series, uh, seasons after that, won a couple more races even after that period of time. But I want to point out I- I'm not picking on this guy. I'm not picking on this driver. He's a great driver. I'm picking on I'm going, I'm going to point out Sterling Marlin. Okay? And here's why. In 1998, when they named the, the 50 greatest drivers, he had accomplished. Six of his ten wins in the Cup Series at that point in time. Of which, two were Daytona 500s. Okay? Um and pulling it back up here. He, and, and he won a couple Talladegas, Daytona in July, Darlington in the spring. He wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough to land him on the 50. That wasn't good enough for him to land it on the 50. What races did he win? The last four: Michigan, Charlotte, Las Vegas, and Darlington. None of which were the crown jewel. Crown jewel ones. That was enough to land him on the fifty greatest drivers list. I'm sorry. I think. Uh, hold on. I'll, I'll give you a second. And it's, uh, to to, re, to rebuttal. I think when you stack up what Jack Sprague did as a driver in NASCAR compared to Sterling Marlin, I understand Sterling went back to back in Daytona. I understand that. But it clearly wasn't good enough for him to land it on the top 50. Is it? But you're like, oh, but it could have been 51. Like, yeah, he could have been 51. But there have been 25 years that have passed since, and a lot of other drivers that come through. And Jack Sprague won two more championships after that. And a lot more races. And you plus, you know, the other twenty-four that, that were that made the list. There were guys who never won a championship in NASCAR who who made this list. And Jack Sprague, who's a three time champion in the Truck Series, did not. Johnny Benson, I'm not gonna campaign for him to too hard, but he's a two time NASCAR champion. Right? There's some people that were left off this list that I look at a couple of these guys who never won a championship. Yeah, they came close, but they never won a championship. And they made the list. I think there's a couple guys who are feeling, man... Now I know how Carl Edwards feels. I'm just going to say that. I think Jack Sprague... I I wanted Jack Sprague to show up to Darlington and be like, Hey! (laughs) Just <laughs> photobomb everybody, you know. I know that's not Jack, but I, I just again I hate to pick on Sterling. It's going to look like I'm picking on Sterling, but what he made it for, what he made it for, he had already accomplished in '98. He had been winless for over a year when this when the 50 drivers list came out, and a lot has happened since 1998 in. He just didn't do a whole lot. Again, the only thing that he did after that, the only thing is that he put Dodge back in victory lane. Only thing you could put on there, and to me, that's not that's not a mark of that's just happenstance. So that's
1: got that's what I got to say. I think Jack Sprague got it hard. I don't have like a rebuttal per se, more so a question for you. Sure, sure. Do you think that? Sterling Marlin made the list because of the untapped potential from the 2002 season because there was a time there where he was a legitimate championship threat until he got injured. And it was proof that that car was fast. The car he had was fast. And he was, again, he was winning races. He had a legitimate chance at the championship, but because he got injured, he never had a chance to materialize that. Do you think that maybe NASCAR looked at that and said, okay, let's put him on the list because that 0-2 season was the best one that he had had. Do you think that that maybe played a factor into it? I think it absolutely did, and, I, and it,
0: that's horrible that it did. Um, because you could say that a lot about a lot of drivers. Right, you could say that about a lot of drivers who missed out on shit. Oh, man, that that potential, man, just never materialized. Maybe he should have been swapped
1: with, like, J.B. McMurray or something.
0: Yeah, you could have swapped that with Jamie McMurray. McMurray. I mean McMurray. McMurray had a bet McMurray would have been better to put on there than Sterling. Yeah. Like,
1: no, I'm not no, I'm sorry, Sterling. But Jamie accomplished more in my opinion than Sterling. He won. I mean, Jamie technically Sterling has two Daytona five hundreds, but Jamie's one Daytona five hundred and he's got a whole bunch of other crown jewels. He's got a brickyard, he's got a, yeah, a, brick- a nope. Charlotte Race, he's got I mean, he he's got more yeah. big wins on yeah. tracks that don't aren't drafting tracks than Marlon.
0: Yeah, and that's that. So again, there's a kind of a point there. I'm like, if I comparatively, like, man, there's a lot of drivers. Like again, I'm not picking on Sterling. I know he's not in good health, so don't come at me for saying he's not in good health, Josh. I know he's not in good health. Um, but that to me, yeah, they're doing. You can't base that off of. You can't base that. It's like the 75 greatest drivers. I hear a lot of people saying this too, and it bugs me like the 75 greatest drivers and the 50 greatest drivers were supposed to be on track success and accomplishments. Not what you gave to the sport. Okay. That is what you, you now you've changed that original list. Now you can go back and say, let's go back to 1998 and let's rework that list then. Right? Let's let's redo the points like Triple A and, and IndyCar did there for years with early point standings. Because that's not that's not the way it works though it was supposed to be on track accomplishments. Sterling Marlin did not accomplish a, he got injured i understand but he did not accomplish a, a championship. You could say that about you could almost throw in lot like, man. This guy this guy should have won championships but he but we lost him too early, right? That's not a reason to put someone on 75 great drivers list.
1: I'm sorry that sounds really really Dark. I mean, I mean, but you're right because based upon that, you would. Uh, did, was Alan kawicki on the original? On the 50s? I believe
0: Alan Kowicky was on. Uh, I think kawicki and Allison were both on the Davey original. and Alan. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Davey but, Allison was on there, and kawicki
1: was also on there. Yeah, a lot of people. I've heard a lot of people like bring attention to Davey, and be like, you know, his career on was. There. Yeah, Tim was also on that list. Tim Richmond, yeah. I mean, they were iconic in their own right, but in terms of on-track success, there were drivers who won more than them.
0: Yes. So I just think it again I I we're, I'm not I'm not I do not want to debate the 50 greatest cuz that happened 25 years no, ago. No,
1: I I know that. I know that. That's we're not for going the debate. debate.
0: I, and we've gone on to this a lot and I was very impassioned I was very bugged about this. I know you're and don't I know I'm a Hendrick Motorsports fan. No, I you're love right. Jack Sprague, I think you
1: you made a but, good point about Jack Sprague and I agreed with it. I genuinely agreed with your point on Jack Sprague and what you've brought up with Sterling Marlin is again another very very good point. Because Marlin is kind of that outlier. I think everybody else added to that list has at least double the amount of wins Marlin does. Yeah, I think I, I think
0: I think the the biggest questions on here for me, um, I think for people, the three names and again, don't at me for fo- the four names that don't at me. Jeff Burton, Casey Kane, Sterling, Marlin, and Ryan Newman. I think you can make a case for Burton. He's got a lot of wins. I think you can make a case for
1: Kane. Got a lot of crown I'll jewels. Make a, I'll make a case for Kane every single day. I anybody I who says will. Kane doesn't deserve it, I'll just be like, dude, did yeah. you see this guy? It but between oh yeah. four to oh seven, yep. this guy think, was nuts. I think the the the, the two and again, 08, don't at sorry, not oh seven. Don't, again, don't at me, folks. I think
0: the two weakest ones were Ryan Newman and Sterling Marlin, and
1: but Ryan why Newman. And Newman?
0: Ryan Newman had one good season in his career. He had one good 03 mm. when he won all those polls, and he won like nine races. He had I a good 04 too. He, he had, had a solid 04.
1: Okay. okay, so two, okay, but he won half his career wins in one season. His, oh, his he was rookie of the year in 2002 he and a stacked a very stacked rookie class. It lined you. Oh, 02, oh, 02. It was him and oh. Johnson. Yeah, O three was the one that was stacked that year. O oh, two, him and Johnson. Are you he beat Jimmy oh, Johnson. It. He beat hmm? Jimmy Johnson for rookie. Of I know, the year. I know, but but, but your stack. He was we
0: first stacked. And you also got to remember Johnson finished ahead of him in points. He oh, he, okay. he he won the rookie of the year battle, but Johnson finished ahead of him in points. I'm just saying, like that he, Ryan Newman. We we all we go back to that it's kind
1: of the same thing with sterling you go back to these two moments I, well i don't one. think of just oh three when i think of newman i honestly He's think right. of newman doing way more things like winning the 500 you know still sitting on poles yes. even well into oh five oh six oh seven you know well into that time he was still sitting on poles he was still running well he was still winning races i mean i okay okay so he doesn't have a championship like well, I'm, it, I hey I don't he
0: think Kane doesn't have a championship. He doesn't but, have a
1: championship. And in fact, Ryan Newman came closer to a championship than Casey Kane ever did. And Kate, he, yeah, Ryan Newman I, finished I, second I, in a championship. I, like how, I know. I know. I know.
0: I just I when you look at the list, I think those were the two weaker ones. So uh but um yeah, I, I, I think uh we, we could we could debate this for a long time and oh, break absolutely. each one down almost. Um but um because I think there's probably a few guys who... And there's probably a few... Another name I saw toss out, I don't want... It's, we're, we're at a minute... We're an hour and 50 minutes here. I Again, see. this is going to be a hard one. But um, I saw some people making a case for Mike Skinner as well. Um, Larry Pearson, too. I thought those were interesting. Mike bring-up. Skinner
1: is a very interesting one because... Like, I know you, had a, you have your case for Jack Sprague. But, like, Jack Sprague, I mean... He went to the Cup Series, but he was never, like, a serious contender. Like, his main bread and butter was in the Truck Series. That's where he did his thing. Mike yeah. Skinner was in the Truck Series, won that first championship, but then went to Cup and was entirely forgettable. I mean, one— It was entirely
0: forgettable and because he had a lot of injuries, so you could talk about the potential thing there, too. And, well, yes,
1: him. yes, but that even yeah. when he went back to the Truck Series, he was not— the it wasn't the same. The competition of the truck series when Mike Skinner went back was a lot higher. I would say higher than it was when he won that first oh, title. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, and he, he wasn't. I don't know. I he I had like Mike Skinner, point. but he had a that good one. Is of, like yeah, uh, well, I I wouldn't put him. I was good, but then it went down again.
0: Right. I would have
1: if if we're going on truck race truck races alone. I. I would person, and, and I'm sorry, I I would have put like Ted Musgrave or someone before him. Honestly, okay, I, 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 and, and and even then, to that regard, Musgrave came very very close with Roush to winning races. It's just he did. He wasn't Mark Martin, so he didn't get the best stuff, but they tried. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: All right, Rob, we can wrap up. Take us through it. Yeah, let's go ahead and Ted and talk about uh, all the drivers, all the races that won happened this weekend. Uh Indy a- Indie NXT, the Indie Lights rebrand or whatever it's still called, I don't know. They did their Indie GP this weekend. Uh, they just had one race. because uh, they moved the second one to the Brickyard weekend. Um uh, Nannini, Nanini, who I remember watching an F3 all those years ago, uh was the victor. Uh it was actually a very good race. It was a very entertaining race, uh going down to a bit of the wire. Uh the indie card GP, the GMR Grand Prix, was won by Alex Pillow. Uh, and quite honestly, a very interesting tire badge tire battle. Um, it really came down to who, you know, the best tires. Everybody Pelow was one of the first, one of the only people who started on red tires, and that ended up being the, the key to victory. I mean, that that was it. That was the that ended up being the key to victory. He was on a better tire strategy uh than his other competitors. Yeah. Um, and that's usually what it, came, it comes down to, those gambles. You know, can you make those gambles and, and it, it pay off? You know, Christian Lundgaard did, did, had a complete opposite uh, tire strategy and he would, I, I would argue, he was the fastest car all week, all weekend. And he finished fourth. Um. So, just, I mean, Alex Pillow, dude. And I, I love it, I love it too, because Nathan Brown published a great story about on the Indie Star, and I don't work for them anymore, so I guess I can just type it up as much as I want now, um, and say that it's good anyway. Um, but he—it was a great story uh, about how Pello, if it just—you know—he's gonna keep winning at Ganassi. Like it kind of makes you wonder why is he going to McLaren? He's winning, like he's beating the McLarens. Like yeah. he finished ahead of all the McLarens. Like he was hands down. Like all the McLarens were running. It's an F word
0: and a numero uno.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. He, he wants the F one prospect, but I think he's gambling so hard on uh, on them. Uh, you know, on on um, Zach Brown offering him an F one ride. I think he's gambling so much on that prospect, and it's Which I just go get I mean, unless they kick Piastri out, because apparently rookies only have a five race shelf life in F one now. Uh, so. <laughs> I I don't know how Pelot's going to do that, but it is very interesting that he handedly beat all three McLaren cars in a Ganassi car. And he's still leaving. He's leaving the team that he won with to go to the team that he is beating. It's just very, very a weird situation there. There's there's more to the story. I
0: know. know There's there's more to the story that we just do not
1: know. Oh, absolutely. But that's why. i It was a great little story by Nathan Brown, um, if anyone wants to read about it. Uh, IMSA was at Laguna Seca. They had a really fun race. Another uh, jam-packed race. A uh, lot of action, a lot of accidents, lots of passing, lots of crazy stuff. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, Ranger Van Der Zand, and Sebastian Bourdais started sixth. Started sixth and won the race. How about that? I didn't expect that to happen because the Penske Porsches looked outstanding the Penske Porsches did, and uh, then Felipe Nasser put it in the wall, uh, just after a little after the corkscrew. It went one lap, and that kind of changed the entire dynamic of the race a little bit. Um, so yeah, overall, very fun IMSA race. I Again, I had to watch that because I was officially covering that. Like I wrote about that, um, but I was trying to watch the NASCAR race during the IMSA race, so that was a disaster waiting to happen. Uh Arca East was at Nashville Fairgrounds. We talked about that a little bit. Uh Luke Fenhouse won this on a bump and run on William Swalwich. so Sw- Swalich. Sorry, that's still getting used to that name. I want to call him William Sandwich, but I know that's wrong. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, Luke Fenhouse, the Pride of Wisconsin the new Pride of Wisconsin. Uh not to take that uh title away from Matt Kenseth or Scott Wimmer, but He's looking pretty good, but a little bump and run there got him the victory. And actually, I will be give props to Sawalich because he led the whole race and he totally could have moved Fenhouse out of the way. He could have. Like, he absolutely had every, every opportunity to just move him out of the way and say, Nope, you're not stealing this win away. I dominated this race. I deserve this win. He had every opportunity to do that. Chose not to. Good, hard racing. I think the future of NASCAR is a little bit better than we once thought it was. Um, moving on into the truck series at Darlington. Hey, Christian Eckes. Christian Eckes is is killing it right now in the truck series. Uh, uh, amazing everybody, what extreme scenery it is. Yeah, it, it's, uh, well, it's amazing what happens when you go to a team that really believes in you. I would say that. I would say that. I think, uh, I think the The McAnally team really believes in Christian Eckes a lot more than his previous. They're teams. both running good because Jake has yeah. good runs too in the 35. I Keep forgetting he's in the thirty-five. I keep looking for an, a ninety-one or something, and I, I keep know. forgetting to change the, the name. I like the the number between nineteen and ninety-one. Yeah, it's it's not even the same font either, so it just kind of like throws me off. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I still wish, uh, they, ran, I still wish they ran like a sixteen truck like yeah
0: idea in the, in the west.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. I would like that too. Yeah. Um uh truck series, truck series, uh that was Christian Eckes. Xfinity series going to Darlington, we talked a little bit about that. Uh last lap battle between John Hunter Nemechek, Kyle Larson, well more not more a last lap battle, more like a last several lap battle. Uh wow. still fun, still very fun. Uh to be honest with you, yes, I was watching the Indy Grand Prix. Uh I was at Indianapolis, but uh the entire time that Xfinity race was happening um, I had YouTube TV pulled up on my laptop and I don't regret that decision one bit because that was a very entertaining race at Darlington Darlington once again puts on bangers we can debate more obviously about whether or not Larson's wall ride was legal but that we already did that but uh, still a fun exciting finish I loved Keani making uh, references to the 2003 finish The it's McMurray no it's not it's Bodine. I, I love that. That's really what that feels... I, I remember when that I was saw that
0: repeat almost. Man. I mean, it, it
1: was. It was that that those lines were playing in my head when I'm watching Nemechek spin across the 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 uh, front stretch like that. I, that that that's what was playing in my head. I was having flashbacks. It was very like you can't hear images. Yes, I can. Okay. Yes,
0: I, I did want to clarify. I don't know if I clarified this earlier. I think what Kyle Larson did should be legal. I don't think it should be illegal. Uh, by the way, I, I, okay. I don't know if I clarified that earlier. I I disagree with the rule that NASCAR has. Right. I'm disagreeing that they didn't uphold it. <laughs> the rule right. that they had. Understandable. Yeah. Um. So yeah. That. Uh. Yeah. That it was a great finish. Great battle. John Harneymachek and Kyle Larson put on a great show. Can't wait to see John Harneymachek and a Joe Gibbs race racing Toyota in the Cup Series.
1: Uh, and then finally, uh, Willie B. Slick Willie B. won. Uh, got redemption for last year. Yeah. At At Darlington, took advantage of late race restart and Kevin Harvick's damaged front nose.
0: And Kevin was, Harvick raced and raced, and he knew he didn't have a chance, and he kind of let him go. He He said, this kid, I can't, I can't beat you."
1: That was That was one of the more of all the overtime NASCAR finishes. Usually, I I, I actually I'm sitting here thinking, "Oh man, they're going overtime at Darlington. This is." This is going to yeah, get anyway. even crazier than we were. And then, no, no, it's just, it's, it's like, it was like the calmest part of the whole race. Yeah. <laughs> the finish was so, um, not complaining because believe me, you know, I'm going to look back on that and be like, Oh, that was such a much better finish than whatever disaster we saw this weekend. I guarantee that's going to happen. So, uh, I'm going to start with my outstanding performance just so that we, Josh, you can run right into the featured season. Cause we just hit the two hour mark. And uh, we are running out of time on the show, so I'm going to give my outstanding performance first and foremost to Christian Lundgaard. I mean, first of all, the Ray Hall team, awful, still awful, but uh, whatever Lundgaard's doing is incredible. Because, yeah. and actually, I will say this uh, in general: Ray Hall had a good, good week. Good, they had good cars this weekend, but Harvey got caught out. Uh, bad pit strategy. But uh, something happened on pit road. And ruined his race, even though he was having a top ten run, top five run. Um uh, and Graham Ray Hall. Graham Ray Hall would have won a race if there was a late race yellow. Yeah. I'm serious. Graham Ray would have won that race if there was a race late race yellow. Like he was Ray in Hall prime. Position.
0: Ray Hall had that covered.
1: He he was gonna win that race if the yellow came out. And and you would have not believed that uh, at the beginning of the race because he had he had wing damage and had to pit. So he was on this completely alternate strategy. And, you know, in another world where maybe a late yellow comes out, Ray Paul wins this race. Like, I believe it. I believe it wholeheartedly. And he had a fast car. Just, like, when he had the track position, he was able to drive away from, like, Polo and from uh, from his the other rivals, from uh, Pato. And it was just like, okay. Okay. Let's let's see how this plays out. But, no, overall, Christian Lungard, uh, that was a great. Great stellar run, especially first career pole position. To get a pole position at IMS is is not an easy thing, and it's not it, it's not something that everyone can say they've done before. Right. So it's a really unique uh, accomplishment for him, especially coming from the F two world and really embracing IndyCar the way he has, and embracing IMS. You know, I, I I just loved his interview too, because you would think that a fourth place finish today would have been he would have been it. A great day he would have been a lot happier but no in the interview after the race with nbc he was kind of like no i'm just happy to finish fourth like i thought we weren't even gonna finish on the top 10 like he was all business like this was a good race this was a good run for us but we have to do better we have to do better we have to execute better we have to do this this and this we have to get better with strategy because he was frustrated because he was mad that um the red tires were so terrible he was mad that he had to do two stints on red tires and that's what he believed cost him the race, was happy to do those a double stint on red tires. And that was, I think, a bad call by the Rahal crew because you could very well see that pretty much everybody was trying to run their shortest stint on the red tires. And they took a gamble by putting used reds on instead of used blacks or sticker blacks. And, yeah, you had sticker blacks to go to the end, but at what cost? You know, it kind of cost him a potential podium. So you know not much not much he could he could have done but overall i was very impressed with him uh josh who is your outstanding performance
0: yeah i think we're going to rename this segment cuz we're going to be think we're going to do outstanding performances here before long um carson host of our sixth place in the Xfinity series um honestly quietly solid and kind of crept up there at the end like oh, hey guys i'm here to play too um i didn't understand some of the tire strategy that they did but to still finish sixth, um, it was pretty solid. And it's only his second start in the Xfinity Series. And the first one, and really, his really his first start. Because the first time at Coda, something broke really early and his day was done. Um, not, not much of an experience, not much of a first race there. Uh, but, and then I just want to say, Sam Hunt Racing, first double top ten for that team. So uh, I, I'm liking, you know, there's slowly but surely... Getting better and better each year, and uh, I I just cannot wait until we see a top level Toyota prospect land at Sam Hunt Racing. They're like, okay, now they've arrived, you know, kind of deal. They're running Kaz Gralla full time in the twenty six, and they got a rotation of drivers in the in the twenty four. Uh, Corey Heim wasn't at this weekend, did a great job. Uh, Kaz Gralla, I kept trying to find him on there. I'm like, oh crap, his icon's different this week because he's running a throwback game and uh i'm like oh he's top 10 so good job for them um featured season time here uh roll through this uh it's uh you know two weeks of nascar throwbacks so right here in the middle you know we had darlington the official nascar throwback weekend and now we're gonna you know turn our our heads towards north wilkesboro and the revival of that track uh again we mentioned it before you know just never would have expected this to be to come true um so, I'm turning the clock back to 1950, and the first season that Darlington Raceway appeared on the NASCAR calendar. Now, the 1950 NASCAR Grand National Division season started on February 5th at Daytona Beach Street and in, uh, in Beach Course, uh, and concluded at Okinichi Speedway on October uh, 29th. Harold Kite and uh, the second season opened up the second season of what is now today the NASCAR Cup Series with a win at Daytona Beach. Uh, in a 40 car, uh, 41 car field, and he won by 53 seconds, and that would be his only career win in the Cup Series. Uh, the series then took two months off before Charlotte Speedway hosted race number two, and that was won by Tim Flock. Uh, race three was at Langhorne, and Curtis Turner won that event, then backed it up at race four at Martinsville Speedway with another win. Uh, and what would be only the first of three trips to Canfield Speedway in Cup history. Bill Rexford uh, won that race on Memorial Day weekend. Bill Blair won a 200-lap race at Vernon Fairgrounds in New York State. Race 6 of the season. Uh, Race 7 was the first paved oval race of the year. And it was the first of three paved oval races. This one was at Dayton Speedway in Ohio. Jimmy Florian uh, won that race. And that was his only career cup win as well. Um, Curtis Turner once again, went back-to-back uh, wins on the season, races 8 and 9. Race 8 was at Monroe County Fairgrounds in Rochester, New York, and then second race was at Charlotte again, Speedway once again. Uh, the halfway race, race 10 uh, of the 19-race season was at Okinichi. Uh, Fireball Roberts scored uh, the win, and it was his first of 33 career victories. Uh, race 11 was the second visit to Dayton Speedway, so if you've been paying attention you know anything about Darlington uh, of the three, you can kind of narrow that down. So Dayton Speedway hosted two of the three paved oval races that year. Dick Linder uh, went to Victory Lane and uh, then backed it up with another victory at Homburg Speedway at New York in race 12. Race 13 was Darlington, the inaugural so- Southern 575 cars of three rows of 25. Yes, five, 25 rows of three, I should say. Started this event uh, today. Darlington is measured at 1.366 miles, but in 1950 it was a mile and a quarter. Same track. The inside was just measured differently because they didn't think they were going to use the banking. Now today they do, which means that the original Southern 500 was 400 laps long uh, instead oh of the my. Days, 367. Yeah, and back then it was even more and in, more intense. Roscoe Thompson was the first. Uh, driver to retire in that race after 24 completed laps due to overheating. An official record of actually how many cars finished and failed to finish I couldn't find. There's a lot of, like, miss- like missing information. But what I can tell you is ja- Johnny Mance won leading 351
1: laps. Uh, and lapped second place Fireball Roberts nine times. Ooh. Okay, I assume you don't have the... They didn't tell you how long this race took to complete. Then four hundred laps at Darlington—that's got to be like a, close to five hours, right?
0: Oh, let's look it up, please. Look it up here, quick. Uh, I can—I got Racing Reference already pulled up, so we don't have to wait for the website to to slowly load. Because on my on no, uh, this computer—it's a little bit slower. I'm just talking to fill space. Let's click on the Darlington race here. Time of race: uh, six hours, thirty-eight minutes, oh and forty God. seconds. Six and a, over
1: six and a half hours. Yes. Oh
0: my god. And, and, and think about this, folks. Too. This race, once upon a time, was run in the middle of the day.
1: Oh not, my lord! Not
0: at you know six o'clock like it is now. Yeah.
1: You're so. you're barely making it home for dinner at that point.
0: Oh man, just think about that day. And and this is the race where they took tires off people's cars in the infield because the tires weren't lasting oh, long enough. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Fawny Flock won race 14, the race after Darlington. That was at Langhorn, uh, two weeks after the Southern 500. North Wilkesboro was race 15. Leon Sales scored the win, his only career cup victory. So three drivers this year scored their only career cup victory. Race 16 was the second trip to Vernon uh, Fairgrounds in New York. Dick Linder scoring his third win of the season, third win of his career, and the final one too. So, he scored all three of his, of his what is today cup wins this season. Race 17 and 18 occurred on the same day, October 15th. Uh, the, so, even if you wanted to, you can only race 18 of the 19 races this year. Um, the first race was at Martinsville, and Herb Thomas won that race. The other race was at Winchester Speedway. Lloyd Moore walked away with the win there. Now, uh, race 19 in season finale was at Okanichi Lee Petty, was the victor, and that was his second career win. Grabbing the championship was Bill Rexford, who started 17 of 19 races and won by 111 points, or Fireball Roberts, who only
1: started nine races. Wow. Yeah. So Fireball was second with nine to star- Okay. The dude should have started I mean, he, more races. He didn't even... He didn't even... He didn't race ten races and still finished second. Yes. That's crazy. Now, I don't, also no, a six and a half hour race at Darlington is equally crazy. Yes.
0: 1950, folks. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a race fan. What a time to sit on your butts in a hot metal grandstand and eat fried bologna sandwiches. Which Mike Joy, no matter how hard he tries, cannot make sound appealing. No, at all. No, I mean, okay. Clint, Clint Boyer had a, had a great quote. I don't remember who I texted it to. Um, and this is like in reference. I'm looking at only two people. It's texting you and I was texting uh, a buddy down here during the during the race. Let me scroll up here and uh, see because I, I I texted to to you or my friend Brian. Uh, Maybe it was you. I don't remember now. Darn it, that, that was Brian again. Rob Peters here. Uh, scrolling up. Scrolling up. I'm, I am don't remember. Yeah, so yeah. I see it. He said, like, that sounds good going down. Oh, that sounds good oh, going in one way. I'm like, come on. Plan- Someone put a- I, I, I don't think I don't think he said, though, his favorite line. Didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. I don't think he said that this week. Look. So if look, you had they- that on your video card, you did not play that one.
1: What they need to do is just for North Wilkesboro, is just give the people what they want. We want Daryl Waltrip, Larry McReynolds, and Mike Joy to call a race again. That's all we're asking, Fox. It's not that hard of a of an ask. All um, you have to do is tell Clint to go pretend to be Michael Waltrip, and that. I don't think he has to pretend. I think he can do that job quite. No, Michael Waltrip is actually funny and wholesome. Clint is annoying. That's my opinion. Have you we'll seen go. Michael Waltrip's Instagram? It is the most wholesome thing in the world. It is very it's very just... very wholesome, very wholesome, yes indeed. Clint Boyer well, is just drinking you're, all. The you're going to get Daryl
0: Waltrip at least and you're going to get maybe some cut-ins with 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 Larry McReynolds. So maybe Fox will bring him up there because why use that much technology at a throwback race like North Wilkesboro?
1: Just you know? let Larry Max sit in the booth and call the race and be excited with Daryl Waltrip so that we can get actual genuine excitement instead of Clint Boyer being like oh doing whatever his thing is, you know. Give me give me that energy again. I want that.
0: All right, so what's in the windshield here folks? Supercars races on May twentieth and twenty first at Simmons Plains raceway for the Tasmania Super Sprint. Indianapolis uh, 500 qualifying is this Sunday. One car will be sent packing. We probably know who it's going to be, but we won't. It's going to be one of two cars. Yeah. Uh, Formula One races at Imola, and then they have uh, Monaco in two weeks on Racemus. So uh, the back-to-back European races there, not too far away from each other, for those of uh, you who don't know your geography very well, uh, compared to how it could be. Uh, and then NASCAR, again, we've mentioned it like 17 times in the last five minutes. Uh, but uh, they're, they're making a return to North wilkes There There's several late model races by the time you listen to this that will have taken place as well. Um, that's very cool to see. Uh, and Truck Series is racing on Saturday with the heat races for the uh, All-Star Race. And then the All-Star Open will take
1: place alongside the All-Star Race on Sunday. Also important uh, to note that that truck race starts at one thirty on 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 Saturday. Yes. By the so way, the Xfinity race
0: was on Fox.
1: Yeah. And cool. I thought that was amazing. That was great. I don't but know The, where the race, last the it... race was on FS1. Yes, because of... Fox played the USFL game. And don't yeah. get me wrong, I like spring football. I actually do really like spring football. But I got to say, preempting some of these bigger motor races for your spring football is not a good idea. Like we miss like the IMSA race was preempted because the USFL game went into overtime on NBC. So I was trying to watch it on NBC realized it went into overtime and had to switch over to Peacock like immediately in order to just catch the start of the race. And I was like that that's not good. That's not good. So no.
0: I, I do appreciate like Fox putting Xfinity race on or on Big Fox for the first time in like what feels like forever, so that's good. And then the Truck Series race is going to be on Fox, by the way. Um, but the All and the All Star race, I believe, is now on Fox. I think they switched that around, so I think that's good for everyone. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. Looking forward to sitting there. Like I was telling you, Rob, we discussed, you Never would have thought I'd be, you know. If you would have told nine-year-old Josh, who was making fantasy schedules on a piece of college rule paper that he should have been taking notes with for science class, um, and he was including North Wilkesboro and also places like Riverside and Ontario, because that's how my mind works. Who doesn't um,
1: include Riverside and Ontario in okay, your fantasy schedules? If you don't, exactly. are you even a race fan?
0: You're not. You're not a race fan. No, I'm sorry. You are a race fan. You just maybe just don't appreciate it as much, and that's okay. We don't appreciate Lost California
1: Speedways.
0: There's a lot of them, guys. That's an encyclopedia book. Lost California Speedways. Hanford, baby, Hanford. All right. Um. That yeah. So super excited that. Thanks for listening. We went long. What are we at here? We are at two hours seventeen minutes. Two hours seventeen minutes. Not the worst we've done, but not the best we've done either. So thank you for listening. Let us know. Make sure you hit the subscribe button as well uh, on your favorite podcasting uh, listening platform. Rob is on Twitter at rpeters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-33. I'm at roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. And the show's at Rob and Roller just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. So for Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller, and this has been The Racing with Robin Roller Podcast. Have a great return to North Wilkesboro
1: Week, everybody.